Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 355. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And that's all that's ever here. There's never anyone mm-hmm. else. No. Worth, worth mentioning anyway. Uh, Just a picture of a cat. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together, we talk about the DC books we read this week. Coming up on this week's show, we have the Free Comic Book Day Night Terrors special. We got Batman 135, which is also legacy numbering issue 900. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's a bigger issue than you might have expected. Uh, we got Adventures of Superman, John Kent issue 3, The Flash 798, Shazam issue 1, Poison Ivy issue 12, Matt tried Peacemaker uh, tries hard. He tried it hard. Mm-hmm. There's a pun. I don't know if there's a pun the, there. The, but... There might have been a struggle. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, I've got a Patreon book. I'll be talking about American Vampire issue 32 and, and a random bit of bonus content for you. I also read Alien issue 1 for Marvel, so I'll talk a bit about that at the end. Ooh, fun times. Yeah, I, I just I feel like trying it, so here we are. That's fair. Uh, so yeah, that's what's coming up on this week's show. A little bit of news as well, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into all the, all the, all the stuffs. Um... What time is it, Matt? Uh, my time or your time? Because there's an eight-hour time difference. It's Comixology time, Matt! It's not... Uh, there's no time zones. There's no boundaries. Shit. I mean, I wish there was a boundary. There's no boundaries. <laughs> Should I roll myself away from the top ten? <laughs> I... Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so we're going to look at Comixology Top 10 as of right now. Uh, we'll look at Tuesday's books, which is DC, and then we'll look at Wednesday for the rest of the industry for comparison's sake. So, mm-hmm. Matt, what do you think the number one book was this week? From I'm amazed Batman. Well, it was a milestone issue after yes. all. So, um, honestly, seeing it, having it say Legacy 900 next to the, yeah. actual, the, you know, the 135 makes yep. me wish they did what Marvel did and they just always had the legacy numbering for these yeah. long-running titles. So we, but... we wouldn't have been stuck up by it. Nah. You're right? Yeah. So, anywho, yeah, that's number one, obviously. Uh, number two is Shazam, issue one. Hey! So, yeah, good, good. I mean, we've been saying the Mark Wade books seem to be doing quite well in Comicsology, yeah. and it seems like this is no exception to that. Yeah. Uh, so, yep. that's cool. Especially when it's a character who is definitely a lesser tier character. Yeah, definitely. You could argue C, but I would say B, right? So just just a, a step below. I would... Oh, I don't know what I would put on that. Um... Wait, are we are we considering S tier as the top, or are we just making A tier the top? No, I would just... In this case, I'll just say A tier as the top. Yeah. Yeah, I'd put him definitely at B. Okay, you know? okay. I Yeah, I... I think I think it's debatable. I think he's kind of more of a C tier character, mm-hmm. just in, in in the grand scheme of things. But I I could see the argument either way. Mm-hmm. So hey ho, um, I'm just adjusting uh Matt's levels a lot. Levels, yeah. You're quite we, we kept, okay. I was like, we we kept flipping back and forth between because Connor has issues, uh, and so I'm, yeah, I don't know what buttons I pushed on what sound, so. Sometimes. Yeah, I was a bit quieter than you two last week because Google Meets messes with my mic volume. I didn't mm-hmm. notice. It wasn't unbearably quiet, but I noticed right. it. So I've, I've tried gotcha. to be good this week. Uh, but right now I'm louder of the two, so I'm just trying to equalize <laughs> it a bit. Anyway, uh, so number two is Shazam issue one. Number three is Adventures of Superman John Kent. Number cool. four is Batman the Joker, the Deadly Duo. 
Uh, number five is the Flash. Seven. What will be on there? Nine, Seven eight. and eight. Oh, we only got two issues left of uh, Adam's run. That's a yep. shame. Um, well, I'll say two, one, and you know, they'll, they'll, like he'll he'll get a full story in issue eight hundred, uh, but yeah. uh, he's he's not going to be doing the whole thing, obviously. Yeah, but then he gets to go to space now. So, so I'm I'm looking at the silver lining. We'll still have an Adam's book to talk about. We may have two more than that in the news section. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six is Peacemaker Tries Hard. Number seven mm-hmm. is The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing. Number eight is Poison Ivy. Number mm-hmm. nine, you can tell there's not a lot of single issues out this week, because number nine yep. is Superman Space Age, the collection. Yep. And then <sighs> number ten is Justice League Volume 3. That's the Bendis uh, run Volume 3. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, yeah, not a lot of single issues. The fact that there wasn't ten to, you know, make up the top ten uh, is all you need to mm-hmm. know. Um, there was one more single issue there, which was the Batman audio adventure drama continues thing, Magic. But you know that's yeah, yeah. You would expect that to be cracking too high. Uh, all right, Wednesday's books, Matt. You got any guesses for number one? Um, I'm looking for a Sins of Sinister, so give me a second, because that's that's the go-to play here. And through the first couple, I don't see any, so I'm just going to go to my next guess, which is an X-Men book and say Immortal X-Men 11. That is incorrect. Shoot. Uh, I wonder if uh, Sins of Sinister is done because that last one we had was like a big special mm-hmm. issue and uh, number one this week is an issue one it's Sons of X okay. issue or sorry I need to say the full title X-Men yep. Before the Fall Sons of X issue one I have no idea what's going on in the X-Men universe anymore no one does uh, no. <laughs> so uh, that is like a new X-Book that's launched out at the end of that seemingly that Cy Spurrier uh, yeah. right in that one. Uh, number two is Immortal X-Men, issue 11. Here we go. Yeah, with uh, Kieran Gillen on that. I'm sure he did X-Men a long time ago as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as well as currently. Obviously, he's been doing it currently, but... Um, and then we got number three, Scarlet Witch, issue five. Number four is Spider-Man, issue eight. That's the Slot and Bagley book. Uh, number five is Moon Knight, issue 23. Number six is... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> Not issue 2, like 2 as in right. the sequel. It's right. issue 5 we're on. Uh, the title was very long, you see. I had to click on it to find out what issue we were on. Yeah. So that's not even coming up on, on League of Comic Geeks until way down. So. Yeah, that, that's doing yeah. similar. People people our age grew up with these two things. They're, yep. uh, they're invested. Uh Number seven is Darth Vader, issue 33. Number eight is Star Wars, issue 34. So a couple of Star mm-hmm. Wars books there. Number nine is Carnage Reigns Alpha, issue one. Carnage special of some kind. Yeah. Uh, starting off like a crossover or something. And uh, number 10 is another Star Wars book. We're back to that uh, with Yoda, issue seven. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, honestly, like... The, the entire back half of the top 10 was either Star Wars or an on-Marvel book entirely, so definitely mm-hmm. a bit more varied this time. So, maybe Marvel also put out less books. I mean, they do have some stuff down here, but not as... Yeah. I, don't know. I feel like Marvel usually publishes a lot. Well, there there is a lot more coming on the way down. A lot more Star Wars, a lot more... But then stuff like Joe Fix-It, uh, which is Grey Hulk, and then Avengers War Across Time... In group number one, but I don't know if that's a free comic book day. Nope, that's just group number one. So yeah, mm. yeah, it's a lot of Star Wars. There's, there's a Lando book yeah. this week, which is yeah. at number fifteen. 
and then Doctor Aphra is down at like you know eighteen or something yeah. like that. That's yeah, that's like four Star Wars books in one week. Kill it, kill it, Marvel. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're you're talking about you know uh, people our age and nostalgia. Did you watch the Power Rangers once and always? I didn't watch it. No, I, I saw yeah. like snippets and people talking about it. It's kind of rough times when when the when the the Power Rangers music hits. I got hyped. So you know, but uh, other than that, it felt like a like an extended episode of the show. <laughs> so um, I don't know if that's good or bad. So either they they got exactly what they wanted. Or, you know, my expectations are too high. <clears throat> I mean, I have a lot of nostalgia for Power Rangers, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I like, I feel like going back and watching the show or a, a, a new episode mm-hmm. of the show is hard yeah. to do as an adult. Um, yes. That said, though, I can occasionally watch the movie and get a bit of mm-hmm. a, get my fix that way. Yeah. Um, the, the production value. That said, that said, you know, Green Ranger's the best uh, part of the whole thing, and he's not in the movie. Well, obviously, the character's yeah. in the movie is the White Ranger, right. but the Green Ranger era was the better era. So, yeah. you know, just For worth, sure. worth keeping in mind on, on these For things. Sure. And then how they handled that is very funny. The, the ones that couldn't be in it because of, you know, contract stuff. I mean, with, with Jason Davis Frake, it was a little bit different. Um, with his untimely passing, so... Oh, no, that had nothing to do with it. They shot it before he yeah. passed away. Yeah. But the way that they handled that with everyone else that didn't want to be there uh, or contract negotiations fell through or something is very funny and very on-brand for Power Rangers. So, uh, but yeah. No, it's a, it's a breezy watch. And we watched it one afternoon. Um, but yeah. I'm just... Uh, if you haven't watched it and you have any kind of expectations, just table those because it's just a, you know, 30 years later episode of the show. <clears throat> what expectations do you think anyone would have going into it though, really? Well, people, because people might have like nostalgia, you know, like, like the nostalgia sequel type thing. Um, you know, like what are these characters up to now type deal? And it doesn't get into any of that, you know, it's just, again, an episode of 30 years and it treats things like they've never happened you know certain certain eras of the show so yeah it's very funny to me <clears throat> i feel like if you've got a lot of expectations going into a cheap power ranger special well, in 2023 when, like i feel like you, I see, you set yourself up for disappointment but when i see people say oh my god that was amazing i don't know if there's satire in that or not like if they're just you know so I, I saw those and I was like, oh, that's probably worth a watch. Right? And I didn't need to rush and, and watch it. I could have I could have been watching hockey instead. You know? Nah, you probably still made the better choice, but I mean nah, yeah, the hockey players have been good. So a lot of, a lot of fun. Super stressful. Not like in overtime games. I'll tell you that much. Taking minutes off my life. Uh <clears throat> but yeah. Eh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a single solitary shit. Um, but yeah, we do, have, we do have a bit of news this week, though. I didn't think there was going to be any, but yep. when I went looking just before the show, I did find something relatively juicy. Uh, so there's going to be three new miniseries um, and a new line that we're going to have at DC. 
uh, called DC's The New Golden Age. And this is kind of a Jeff Johns-led initiative. Mm-hmm. He's not writing any of these three books, but clearly these are all sort of coming from mm-hmm. his JSA stuff, uh, or they're spinning out of that or whatever. So, yeah. So there's three books announced for this banner. They're all miniseries. Uh, so one is Alan Scott, The Green Lantern, which is going to be written mm-hmm. by Tim Sheridan with art by C. and Tormey. Uh, the next one is Jay Garrick, The Flash, by Jeremy Adams and art by Diego uh, Oratigi. So uh, that's Adams on a Flash thing again, just a different Flash. Yep. He's on Jay mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of Wally. And then the third one is Wesley Dodds, The Sandman, by yes. Robert Vendetti and Sweet. Riley Rosmo. No. They, they had me in the first half. <laughs> You're still going to try it, though. Oh, you know I am. It's, it's Venditti. He's he's earned that from me. Um, Venditti's earned nothing from me, but I do nah, like the Sandman it's... as a character enough that mm-hmm. I will give it a go. But I will, I will right. admit, the Riley Rosmore might just scare me away after the first yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm hoping I'm hoping with the fact that it's Wesley Dodds, the, it's less of the dreamlike stuff, so then, you know, Rosmo has to be reined in a little bit, because you kind of want that pulpy vibe, right? The gas mask and the trench coat. You know, oh, that's an issue to go ultra dreamy, and therefore it justifies Rosmo's bullshit. <sighs> I hope not. It's random because when the first time I saw Rosmo it was that Batman Shadow book, and it wasn't too bad. Like it still wasn't to my liking, but it wasn't like you know the Rosmo. Oh, it got art. worse. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. It was when we got to that so, Martian Manhunter mini mm-hmm. that he did that I just yeah. was like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> like so, I, I actually hate this. So I know he's co- uh, capable of doing the pulpy stuff. So. But yeah, I'll tell almost, you this though, that there. cover for Sandman is not Rosmo because it yes. it looks good. <laughs> uh so yeah, there's covers there. It looks like Judy Garrick is going to be in yeah. the uh the, the J stuff, which is again what's what I'm saying is tying it into all this mm-hmm. JSA John stuff that he's doing. Uh and there's a cover for uh Alan Scott Green Lantern, which looks quite nice. Probably my favorite of the three, actually. So I don't know, Pete. This might be Rosmo on on the art. On the Sandman cover? On the Sandman, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that does not look a Rosmo head to um, me. Look at, look at the dude's face on the ground. That's by the car. It's it's a, it's Rosmo-esque. I don't, no, his forehead's not sticking out. What are you talking about? <laughs> maybe maybe he learned to not stick out foreheads. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe. Look, if yeah. this is a Rosmo cover, then it's given me a little bit of hope that I won't hate the art in the book. But yeah. I, I'm not... This there is far too many straight lines on this cover for this to be Rosbo. I I do not accept that. I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm I'm looking at the let's look at this. Seeing if another website has credit. Yeah, obviously, yeah, we have the creative teams for the books, but nothing's mentioned. It's, yeah. it's not a solicit, so we don't have the full cover by inks by no. usual, usual. Um so yeah, obviously there was the one shot last year from Johns, which led into the GSA and Stargirl books. Uh, Stargirl's just about to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, GSA is still only quite early on its run, obviously. It was 12 issues. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, I don't know. This seems like an interesting, interesting mix of things. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, just, uh, there are some descriptions here for them. I'll just mm-hmm. read what these are. Uh, so the Alan Scott Green Lantern uh, revisits and recontextualizes the origins of the first Green Lantern through the lens of a modern understanding of the man. 
Uh, the story, which begins in the 1930s, is about an old flame, the kind that burns eternal, and uh, sometimes head-on, single-track collision of our personal and professional lives. Mm-hmm. Jim Carter's not here because he'd have to drink for that. Uh, this yeah. is Alan's coming of age in which he must embrace the man he is to become the hero he's meant to be. In the end, he'll have gained a greater understanding of himself and his gifts as he unlocks a new, previously unknown ability that could make him the most powerful Green Lantern in existence. A new ability, they say. We'll see about yeah. that. Uh, Whatever it has to do with the star heart. If they're going to lean into that, you know, the whole concentration of magic uh, era. Cool. Uh, Jay Garrick, the Flash, is said to be about difficulties about being a parent as Jay Garrick must learn to connect with his speedster daughter, Judy. Uh, simple enough. And then Wesley does the Sandman, sees mm-hmm. the character rushing to find a stolen science journal before its deadly contents are shared with the belligerent nations who are trying to pull the United States into the next world war. I'm so in, based off of that. Dodds, we are told, has given up on the hope of a peaceful world, but he hasn't stopped believing that people can be better to each other. If only if they're given the right tools. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, three miniseries, three six-issue books uh, coming later in the year. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting to see this. You know, there was part of me that kind of thought that, okay, they've let Johns do GSA and Stargirl, mm-hmm. but it kind of felt like maybe they will just end and that'll be it all over and there won't be anything else. So seeing yeah. this is like, oh no, they're expanding it a little bit. Yeah. There's these other books that are connecting to it. That's kind of nice. Seems like they're keeping them in their own little corner though too, you know? Yeah. So like having having Jay and Judy in a miniseries instead of, you know, having them appear in The Flash. Um is a choice. I mean, I think it makes sense to keep the GSA cornered mm-hmm. off from the rest of the universe, to be honest. Especially sure. if you're saying they're, they're in the 40s. <laughs> it just yeah. it feels like, yeah, they naturally feel separate from everyone else. Yeah, and, and like, that feels, you know, that feels right to me as well. So... Yeah. Uh, this uh, article on Newsarama points out that this is the first time uh, Alan Scott's headlined a book since 1949. Yeah. I believe it. That's, that's a whale. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's been yeah, because I mean, he stopped. He stopped being Green Lantern, right? Or he was only in Justice Society, and then they relaunched in what 1960, when with Hal as Green Lantern, uh, or 62. I can't remember. I get, get my ears all confused now. So I can't imagine it, it's it, that much later for Jay Garrick though, either, right? Mm-mm. No, because again, not a solo book. Because because once Barry's the Flash. Mm-hmm. It's been Barry or Wally, maybe Bart right. here or there, but yeah. like you know, that's pretty much been it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has Sandman ever had a solo book? <laughs> yeah, well, he had the Sandman Mystery Theater. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. That were like uh, not anthology, but kind of one-off pulpy detective stories. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is that all three of these feel like they mm-hmm. they're overdue a bit of a spotlight. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, we're gonna check out all three of them. I'm I'm very excited for. The, the premise of all of them. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the art handles up on that last one. <laughs> we, w- we will indeed. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, three Golden Age JSA characters getting miniseries. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it specifically says here when they're coming, but given, we're probably September, October, given when we'll be getting announcements for recently. So, mm-hmm. cool. Cool. Uh, 
All right. Well, with that out of the way, we can talk about Z Comics. So it is Free Comic Book Day. This is the weird thing is that it's a Saturday, Free Comic Book Day, and we record yeah. typically on Saturdays. So uh, Free Comic Book Day special, uh, Night Terrors, came out today. Mm-hmm. And it's got maybe, like, I don't know, 12-page sort of teaser for the Night Terrors miniseries. And then it's got a lot of front covers from the mini, the, 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 the tie-in two-shot two miniseries. Uh, also, did you see the checklist uh, after the main story, Matt? Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. See, when you just list the titles like that, it's like, holy shit, that's a lot of books. Now, to yeah. be fair, though, as we discovered in the solicits last time, like 70% of the regular books are taking those two months off, so it's not actually that big of a deal. Yeah. But it does look yeah. a lot when you just look at the list. It, so, it's overwhelming just to see the list laid out like that, but when you think it's a two-month event and how many books we already read that are you know, basically on break during those. Yeah. It's not actually that bad, but still, just seeing them list it all like that was just like a... I, f- oof. I feel like, because uh, it's what, is it August and September? Or is it July and August? Mm-hmm. August, September, right? I feel like we'll be reading a lot in August, and then it'll probably uh, half <laughs> in September, once we realize which ones we want to read the second half of, uh, would be my guess, but... Anyway, so yeah, this is just a little tease where Damien has a nightmare and there's some force who's mad at Batman and the Justice League for, I don't know, hiding something from him. And there's these big eyes, big eyeballs everywhere. And Damien wakes up and Batman's like, ah, you've been pushing yourself too hard, Damien. You need to have a rest. Yeah. And that's that's basically it. <laughs> I, I do love that they start off and they're, they're trying to get Killer Moth and Firefly, right? And that's where Damien's like, oh, I need a nap, though. And he falls into the nightmare. It's kind of uh, Freddy Krueger with the never sleep again, mm. right? But then when he wakes back up after he's done the dream in a dream piece, uh, Killer Moth and Firefly are hanging up on like a water tower. And one of them asks him if he's okay. That that made me laugh like a bit. And I was like, okay, this is the Williamson that I like. All right. There, it, it's not too, we haven't gotten too out of control yet. Uh, that gave uh, me a chuckle. Focused. But I will say this, 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 did not make me excited for the premise of this, this no. story at all. No, no, neither did the art in the back. It, it, it uh, feels like just a lot of potential just to do a lot of random weird shit for the sake of it to fill time for two months. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, then we'll get back to the actual books afterwards. <laughs> like that's what, it, that's what it feels like to me, especially all the, all the tie-in series. Maybe the main book will have something mm-hmm. to actually say, but I, I, I don't know. I'm just... I don't really feel it. Uh, I don't really yeah. feel it at all. So obviously Williamson wrote this because he's writing the uh, the, main the main book when it's coming out. Um, and then what do we have here? We have oh, where's the where's the credit page? I need the artist. That's the back. Uh, Chris Bacallo and Howard Porter were on art for this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I will say I think it's Howard Porter here doing this last page. Uh, he's never yeah. been good at Batman. I feel like Howard Porter Batman looks a bit wonky. Yeah, for whatever reason, maybe it's because we're used to him on the Flash or even the Green Lantern in parts. Batman requires a subtlety, right, with the shadows and stuff that Porter just doesn't execute very well, I think. Yeah. Uh, so you get a big checklist, and then you get a big cover gallery for a lot of the variant covers and stuff mm-hmm. of uh, the, the minis. Uh, and there's like, there's like eight straight pages of Matina covers, so those are quite nice. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, honestly, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It just kind of feels like... You know, obviously this is teasing who the main villain is behind all of it, and that'll be the big thing of the main book, but 
Uh, I'm really getting this vibe of all these two issue minis just being like, oh, let's throw Wonder Woman into this weird situation because yeah. nothing matters because it's all a nightmare. Right. You know, actually, you know what it is? it's that it's that arc Tom King did a Batman where it was nightmares mm-hmm. for seven issues, except it's with every character it, that that we didn't really enjoy. No, no. Yeah, it's been fine for one issue, and then he yeah. woke up. But as a whole yeah. arc, it, mm. yeah, not, yeah, not so much. Yeah, I'm kind of dreading these two months to be honest. <laughs> but, what? <laughs> you know, though, I'm gonna look at the creative teams that I enjoy already, and uh, you know, like Philip Kennedy Johnson on on the Superman one. I'm sure it'll play off uh, all the stuff that he's been doing in the war world. I'm, I'm sure he, there'll, there'll be a know? few gems. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, it's impossible for none of them to be worthwhile. But I just, right. my overall feeling is that I'm just like, I just, I'd rather my main stories weren't taking a break for two months. But yeah, me too. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll we, see what they do with it. We line up there. Uh, <clears throat> I don't even bother rating this one. It's only like. Yeah, when, when. Pete told me that it was up on Comixology already because I checked this morning. I didn't see it, and so I was like, "All right, give me a second to read it." And you know, five minutes later, I was done. If that, so yeah. All right, Batman issue one hundred and thirty-five. Chip Zarsky writing with Mike Hawthorne and Mikel Yannon on art. Although I feel like there's probably more artists in this than that. There has there has to be a lot more. Uh, either that or Yannon's being very versatile. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, I completely forgot this was technically issue nine hundred. Right, this is the milestone issue, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh shit, it's going to be longer. No, admittedly, I was reading my books a little bit earlier than normal today. Because uh, I was hoping to get a nap. I never actually got the nap. I am working in, like, no sleep here. So if I say something stupid, well, more stupid than usual, that's why. <laughs> so, uh, so, so the length wasn't a big deal, but it was kind of that thing where I'm like, I've not really been enjoying this arc, and I especially hated that last issue. So starting this, and I'm like, okay, Batman's had his hand cut off, and he's chasing after, you know, this red mask, dude, right? Or crimson head no. or whatever he's called red mask and then his punchline is crimson which kept confusing the hell out of yeah. me that's because then i started thought he was referring to himself in the third person at one point but no he was talking to his henchwoman so yeah so the just this so it kind of weirdly breaks down there's there's kind of about an issue a normal sized issue worth wrapping up the story to a point mm-hmm. where it's you know the, the conflict is batman banging banging up his arm going after Red Mask, Alfred making the choice to open the tower to let the people in who are fighting mm-hmm. for their lives because he's a hero, blah, 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 right? The things you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the rest of the 50-page, give or take, book, um, it sends us spiraling into the multiverse because what happens here is that Red Mask effectively wants to experience the inception of the Joker, right? He's using the multiversal energy of the city mm-hmm. and, and from Batman to experienced the moment where the Joker on the main Earth became the Joker. And we get some sort of, like, killing joke looking sort of, you know, the, the raindrops and the puddle and the Joker's looking yeah. down. But it does this thing. Now, I, I'm not going to say I hate this particular little idea, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's some nuggets of ideas in here that I don't hate. And this being that when he goes into the brain of the Joker, the real Joker is such a crazy asshole that he can tell someone's there. <laughs> And that's yeah. that's a little funny to me. Like, or can, I just the uh, the part of it I don't like though is that if this is the inception of the Joker, then he's not the Joker yet that thinks like that. You know what I mean? Like he's there at the birth of the Joker. So to me, his brain hasn't been that 
you know, incepted yet. So that, that's the only flaw I have in that. What do you mean? Like they were, what do you mean the you mean the, so, you mean the real Joker? Yeah, the real Joker, right? So this is he goes in and he sees him become the Joker, right? He falls into he's you know the Red Hood and he falls into the Ace Chemical vat and he comes out and he goes to look at his face and to me I don't think like in that moment he's just seeing himself for the first time. I don't think the Joker's brain is that chaotic as of yet, right? Because I feel like oh sure, he okay. that's just he needs. That. That's an yeah. opinion, though. Really, I mean, clearly here, clearly here, Zarsky's saying he is. The second he looks right. down, he's already the Joker, right? That's right. what he's saying. And, and yeah, and just for me, that's the one flaw that I have there. And I kind of don't like the idea that the 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 red mask is the you know the the crux of of that. That's what broke the Joker I mean, initially. Uh, yeah, well, I don't really like that. I don't really like that he yeah. has anything to do with the Joker being the Joker. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that's him reading into his own self-value a bit too much mm -hmm. maybe the, the part i like about it is this idea that red mask wants this he's aspiring to mm -hmm. be the joker because he wants to be that version mm -hmm. of himself but he like but once he actually gets into the real joker's head it's like he can't even begin to think that the real joker no. the real joker was more than he, you know he's bitten off more than he can chew yeah. and he can't deal with that yeah. that, Wild that card, part, bitches. that part of it is you know it feels like it's playing to the joker's strengths Mm -hmm. um but you know I, everything else here like I, I don't really like that much but the big thing is is the red mask is determined to still do it right so after batman stabs him with his mm -hmm. bat ears by headbutting him yeah. uh which i don't think i've ever seen the comic before so i guess points for originality that's, that's um, cool and, but it's also you have to remember they're not actual bat ears right they're things that were fixed on a helmet so you know good good for bruce for thinking on his feet but basically, Red Mask goes spiraling into the multiverse to try and basically mm -hmm. find other Jokers to like try and like experience the the thing. And Batman says his goodbye. He has a touchy moment with Alfred, mm -hmm. um, which is fine on its own. But honestly, we've seen this done better like multiple times since Alfred died. The the one that Mark Wade just did with the fake uh, Alfred, yeah, that, that was that... brought back by by the the Devil Nazar. Like that, that hit the heart. This was fine, but yeah, you know that that was better. Obviously, everything in Nightwing talking about Alfred's uh -huh. death's been way better. Yeah. That, you know, so it, it's just fine. It's, like, it's almost they're, they're pulling on this just a little too much now. Yeah, right. Yep. It's like the pearls at this point. I yeah. don't want to see the pearls. I don't want Bruce to talk to to Alfred and tell him how much he means to him. Uh, yeah, I need to see some other version of Alfred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, Batman jumps into the multiverse after him. He's got like one beacon to like sort of keep sort of chasing after him and so it got to it got to this page where it's like that's clearly jack nicholson's joker he's looking at on the news mm -hmm. when he lands in the city and then the next page is michael keaton batman and i'm like wait what are we doing here are we because mm -hmm. like, and there was a part of me where i forgot this was like a special anniversary yeah, issue right me because for a second i thought are we doing a whole arc in 89 batman because i'm going mm -hmm. to lose my shit now luckily that's not what the case yeah. It's an anniversary issue, so they do this ultra-nostalgia thing where he starts jumping through, he jumps through the 60s TV show universe, mm -hmm. he jumps into the animated series universe, then Batman Beyond, which is actually technically the same universe, but he, mm -hmm. this treats like it's two different universes for whatever reason. Whatever reason, yeah. yeah. And then it, he jumps into like Dark Knight Returns, where he gets like a fancy robot hand from that Bruce. <laughs> After that, Bruce kicks the ever-loving uh, piss out of him. Because he thinks he's one of the mutants. I thought that was hilarious. 
Yeah, you know, we go into like a vampire thing. Uh, we go into, interestingly, the Arkham video game series. Uh, okay. Which directly references the fact that Bruce seemingly died in Arkham Knight, but it turned out he just, you know, faked his death or whatever, because he mentions... <laughs> he got better, though. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. Yeah. So, but that, that was kind of interesting. It kind of, like, mm. did something to that story to change it after the fact. He goes to Kingdom Come Universe... And there's not really much to say here because ultimately it's just you know reality hopping. It's reality just... hopping. It's nostalgia. Here's a you know an artist interpretation of each of these versions mm-hmm. of of your Batman, a few Jokers here or there, yeah. you know that kind of thing. Um, and it tries I... to mimic the art, especially for the comics. Like it does, yeah. like you know, Dark Knight Returns section tries to look kind of you know yeah like that book. So yep. um, anyway. Um... I did. I did like the the stuff in Batman Beyond because I have a special affection for Batman Beyond, and just that the older Bruce kind of figuring out what's going on and who he is. I thought that was a fun little moment because that's really where it stops and takes its breath. Because you know everything else, it's explaining that you know, even if the Joker had died, he's been reborn because of the presence of of Red Mask because of his essence, and so then you know we get that you know Return of the Joker, Joker popping back up in that moment um yeah because that's the and the batman 89 thing that's the thing Mm -hmm. that's on the news is that the joker's somehow back even though jack nicholson's joker obviously did die at the end of batman so basically it's it's kind of hinting at this idea that it's just confirming to batman that there's no reason to ever kill the joker because he'll somehow Mm -hmm. always come back anyway or at the very least nothing will change it'll still be gotham it'll still be full of villains he'll still be needed as batman uh But I kind of don't like that as a message because I'm like, it may, it means more if Batman's sticking to his make, guns, for lack of a better term. That choice because <laughs> yeah. he's better than the Joker and killing the Joker makes him no better. Yeah. Him just getting yeah. confirmation that there's no point in doing it just kind of devalues that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> there's a nihilism that works. I feel like that was Zdarsky's, the reverse of his intent. It's, it's kind of like, well, it doesn't matter if you kill the Joker, the Joker's going to come back. And it's like, well... That's not why Bruce doesn't kill the Joker. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will, I will <clears> say there is a nice little chuckle at the end where he's in, like, the end of time and space with mm-hmm. Red Mask and there's a shark Joker. Yep. And he checks the utility belt that the 66 Batman gave uh-huh. him and there's a can of shark repellent and he smirks and says, finally, a Batman that's more prepared than I am. Yeah. And that was, like... Obviously, he's not the original Batman. The comics were around from the 1940s. Mm-hmm. But... I do think that to a lot of people growing up, you know, the 60s Batman for a certain age group is the original Batman. Mm-hmm. It's the first one they remember. So the idea that it's kind of like paying homage and saying, ah, no, as silly as that was, they've kind of utilized it here in a fun way. Yeah. I'm okay with that, but... Because how silly is, Bar- is that shark repellent, you know, as you're watching the 60s show uh, through modern eyes, but here Zadarski made it work because of these uh, gigantic Joker sharks, which I thought were rad. Right. Yeah. He calls them. He calls them like mutated Joker fish. Like the next step through that. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, uh, and you know, there it came because the Adam West Batman gave him his utility belt um, because he saw that he was missing one. So, uh, but yeah, the nostalgia stuff. Though, once we started getting through the time jump, and you were talking about in the last couple of weeks, you're being done with a nostalgia and b reality hopping. Oh yeah. That, we got the combination of the both, and I was like, oh, well, Pete's going to love this. Th- this issue is just a precursor to that Flash movie. It's just, uh, let's mm-hmm. jump around and 
do whatever we want because we can with multiverse rules. Right. And, right. you know, I said on Twitter this week that I, if I don't see another superhero do a multiverse thing for 10 years, I'll be a happy mm-hmm. man. And I don't think I'm going to get it, but I'd, I'd like, yeah. I'd like to, to get it. I, I, so, I mean, ultimately there's a couple of little nuggets here or there that are fun little ideas on their own, but it does just kind of feel like a cheap nostalgia play to do all this, like hopping between all these famous versions of Batman. Um, I do like the idea of an Amelstone issue trying to say something fundamental about Batman and Joker's relationship, but I kind of feel like the point this makes, like I said, just cheapens the fact that Batman refuses to kill him, mm-hmm. you know, by giving him this answer. It's, I don't know, I don't really mm-hmm. like that. So, and plus, you know, obviously, I've not liked this arc. I've not liked giving yeah. us, this is the Joker on another Earth with his real name or, or whatever else. I don't like that. And I... looking back as well now at this point, I feel like this entire like alternate earth arc we've had feels like it might have just existed so to, so it could end with this yeah. special issue which if that's the case then i applaud zadarsky for trying something to make it work you know i'll always give credit if you're trying something wacky because of editorial right and as long as this wasn't just his idea and him you know having it line up with 900 was happenstance but knowing how comics work it's probably the first like you said you know, I think he wanted a reason to go through all the like, be able to jump through the multiverse. So that's why mm-hmm. arc two of his run was a multiverse story, right? So that we could we could end it mm-hmm. this way. And obviously, at the end, Tim shows up because uh, Batman has one like thing to send him home, but he uses it on Red Mask instead to send him right. home. And Tim comes and finds him, and that because yeah. that was helping the backups. And because, yeah, because of Robin, yeah, Robin needed to find his Batman. Um, but yeah. Also, uh, we skipped over the fact that Selena's the reason that he goes in through the multiverse, right? Is, is she basically kicks him through the portal, knowing mm. that, you know, that's because he's like, oh, you're not my Selena, and then she kicks him. So, you know, a uh, little, little bit of, of weirdness there. Um, but yeah, no, Wait, it's fine. He does, a, he does a thing, though, where he, he sort of confesses, like, how he feels about Selena in a way that mm-hmm. he might not to the regular Selena because this is right. not his, so he, he feels free to just say it out yeah. loud, yeah. Uh, by saying, "Oh, like he's, he's you know, it's like he, he can never commit and have a family because right. he's he's Batman. Like the city needs right. him, and he'll never let that go." Kind of thing, which is stuff yeah. we know, but he's you right. know he's him outright saying it to her is slightly new. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, if anything, she usually accuses him of this rather than him admitting him- it, but. Him and Minnie, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Honestly, like, I don't hate it as much as last issue, but like, has Batman just got like a weird futuristic robot hand now for like, for the time being? Right. I'm not sure. That's, I don't know. I've not liked this arc. Like this, this is this yeah. was a weird arc. I, I, I don't, you know. Right. What was with the multiversal energies that he found on the other Bruce Wayne? Then was that that red mask killed him with multiverse energy? Yeah, like, I, I, yeah. Red Mask was trying to harness his like multiverse yeah. energy to like, and, and then he, at some point he realized he needed way way more, which is why he was infecting the whole city by the end to right, make right. his thing work. But why why start with Bruce? That was my question. Oh, because he knows he's Batman in the other universe. Oh, that's right. Because he used he looked through. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, but honestly, the whole the whole the whole arc just feels like a tangent that this. Look, yeah, it feels like a fever dream. Like, I thought I'd be getting some, like, Batman the Night Zdarsky. And instead, we're getting, like, these wacky stories about a Terminator 
in a multiverse. Well, I, I like the Terminator stuff up to a point. Mm-hmm. And which, by yeah. the way, Failsafe's still controlling Gotham. We still have to deal mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> Maybe that's how he gets his robot hand back. Failsafe clones him a new one, or something. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the last page is uh, all the different Batman, uh, and Zurar style of Batman. Zurar, yeah. So, which I I wonder if that's gonna come back into play as well because of that was the first backup going through the failsafe stuff was the whole you know creation of the Zurar failsafe, and then failsafe was meant to prevent that. So maybe maybe the whole idea of this Joker going through time. Like this is also given a Zernar through time, yeah, or time, time and space, I should say. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the final page is supposed to be kind of a meta thing where, mm-hmm. like, you know, Batman created this other personality in his head to deal with something that he couldn't. So the idea that right. we have all these different Batman personalities across all mm-hmm. these different mediums because we just we keep we keep needing more Batman, so we keep having right. new versions. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the meta thing he's, he's going for at the end mm-hmm. uh, so yeah and, and I suppose a nice touch is that he gets like a, a fresh costume from the Dark Knight Returns Batman so it mm-hmm. looks kind of Dark Knight Returns-y but it's got like a blue cape and logo right uh, so he's got kind of a neat costume for the last part of the, the issue mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, I, it all just feels a bit hollow and kind of like so sometimes you get to those anniversary issues and they'll they'll try and do like a greatest hits kind of story mm-hmm. it just kind of felt like that to me yeah. and it, it kind of made this whole arc to me feel even more just kind of redundant yeah yeah it's like when we got to action a thousand and they we got a couple main stories but they're all kind of like homages to superman i much like that in my these big milestones like that where we get a couple of smaller stories that kind of just lean into why batman's so great for this one you know um like, I'm hoping that's what the Flash does with his in a couple well, of weeks. The thing months. is, though, is that I, I think I actually would have preferred this method of, like, having an arc that builds up to a climax that is in the mm-hmm. issue that does something important with the character. I just don't think anything that he did here was actually that important or impressive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it makes the whole arc in hindsight feel just kind of like, oh, this was this is what it was building up to? This is yeah. what, uh, that, and it kind of feels like that. It feels like this is why it existed, was so they could do this issue. Yeah, is issue nine hundred. So um, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been a troublesome arc. Uh, I hope the next one is better. I hope if we're back to dealing with fail safe, maybe we get some more Terminator fun again and yeah. see how that goes. But you know, one of the other things that I'm sick of in Batman books is, uh, right now and don't need to see for a while is a villain taking over the city. <laughs> like, because that seems to have happened a lot in the last like five or mm-hmm. so years. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just I wish Zarsky was doing. More intimate stories with Batman, I guess. Something a bit more grounded, less, you know, spectacular and about big set piece moments where he's falling mm-hmm. from orbit, like shit like that. Like, yeah. just, you know, I'm not even necessarily saying just do a detective story. You can have like a, a scary villain, but I just, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just, yeah. and I think part of the problem is, is that I can compare it to his Daredevil, and his Daredevil's way better because his Daredevil is this grounded, crime fighting yeah. character with morality <laughs> issues. Right, and that's kind of like the Daredevil greatest hits, though, at a certain point, you know, is, is him him finding, you know, common ground with somebody and then endangering that person because of, you know, machinations of the villains and whatnot. So, uh, granted, I'm only through two trades, so it might get better than that. But that's what I've experienced so far was the Darcy Daredevil, and it's very good. Um, 
I'm, I'm enjoying all of that, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just glad we have Detective because I'm really enjoying that right now. That's much more my my vibe in the form of Batman. I just think it's weird to have Batman do reality multiversal stuff in in his main book, you know. <clears throat> There's a time and a place for it. It just it felt like mm-hmm. such a pivot. It was kind of such a random direction to go in yeah. at the end of that last arc, and it's like, okay, you're gonna to have to prove to me that this is worth doing, and then it just got worse, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and this ending didn't really justify any of it. So, uh, not feeling super into it. Uh, still not really feeling Hawthorne's art. Obviously, once it gets to the nostalgia stuff and it's jumping between the styles, mm-hmm. and some of that will be Jan, and maybe all of it's Jan, and he's just doing a great job yeah. and they're making different art styles, but, um. Once it gets to that, like I enjoyed that art more because it like it was a different styles. It was better. It was mm-hmm. more varied. Um, I think Yannin's a better artist in general than Hawthorne is. You know, I've I've really enjoyed Yannin's art uh, mm-hmm. since the start of Rebirth. So, um, all right, Matt, what are you what are you rating uh, Batman one through five? I'm gonna give this a solid seven. Six for me. It's kind of six. Yeah. So cool. Adventures of Superman, John Ken, issue three, Tom Taylor writing with Clayton Henry on the art. So, obviously, in the last issue, Injustice Superman snapped the neck of Ultraman. And Mm -hmm. this issue is very much just him and John getting to know each other. Uh, You know, John waking up to find a good, friendly version of Lex Luthor as Matt's dogs go apeshit. Um, so, yeah. But the the big thing here is that it, basically this Clark wants to show John, look at this better world we've built. And Diana keeps warning, he may not understand our methods. And he tells John about what happened to Lois. You know, it happens off panel, so we have to hear the whole thing. But basically talks about her dying. Uh, so all this is going on and of course john can not get involved he encounters this world's damien at one point mm-hmm. in the book uh and damien of course is working against batman and you know we get a little bit of that going on there uh damien right. so how, how da- familiar okay go ahead so damien seems to be from this to be on superman's side with uh yes. controlling the world right uh mm-hmm. so and to answer your question that I think you're about to answer, uh-huh. I know the broad strokes of the start of it. I okay. I, like even even if I knew all the game story, like the Taylor's mm-hmm. comic ran for a long time. Like he could well, have done so much in that time. And that's I read one trade during the pandemic. I I got the first trade of Injustice because I I, I put it off for so long as I didn't want to read an evil Superman story. But then after reading so much Tom Taylor, I was like, I'll give this a shot. And I hadn't got to the point yet where um. Bruce and Damien are on opposite sides and Dick is dead um, and that type of stuff. So I'm just wondering, like, what makes what what makes this Batman different than, you know, to to make Damien side with Superman over Batman? So that was the main question that I had. Uh, Yeah. No idea. Uh, well, gotcha. no, I, mean, I think I think it sort of like tells you in this issue, actually, it tells you that mm-hmm. uh, Damien uh blamed himself as did bruce for dick's death and that drove him away and drove him towards superman's mm-hmm. side of things uh but the big thing of this issue though is that john is being told that this world's better that they've cleaned up the earth and you know he's flying mm-hmm. and he's like yeah the air feels cleaner the yeah. there's no noise there's no streams there's no danger seemingly 
but and it almost feels like oh maybe he's going to be convinced that this is the way forward that maybe this superman's onto something uh but the big thing at the end and i think this is the perfect way to end this this part of the story which is like okay but what's going to convince them that this superman isn't quite right that he's gone too far you know he's mm-hmm. not ultraman but that he's doing something in a way that he, he can't get on board with and it's when he hears someone scream he has a child falling off of a like a fire escape or whatever and he swoops in and saves them uh takes takes the kid up to like where the parent is and the parent is thankfully have the kid back but then gets scared and apologizes and promises that it won't happen again you know the the mom's not relieved that her child's okay she's mm-hmm. terrified that someone with that superman s on his chest is going to retaliate uh and that's what you know that's the final moment is that john's like she feels fear and this world's quiet not because they're at pe- they're at peace but because they're all holding their breath because they're because <laughs> they're scared of superman and that is a perfect ending point i think for this yeah you know, part, part of the story which is john just sort of learning what this world is i, I think this was a really neat way because because i could have seen the story being when, when it was setting this up in the first half of the issue i could have seen mm-hmm. this taking issues of him slowly questioning things and noticing things yeah but this just having some one regular person be scared of him for no reason tells him everything he needs to mm-hmm. know to at least know how he feels about it you know yeah well i like that the him realizing like it's not better it's not quiet because it's better it's quiet because people are holding their breath it's this whole idea that like yeah, everything can look like it's put together, but if it's out of fear and not out of, you know, their their will and togetherness, that's something that's completely antithetical to what we've read in Taylor's John, right? Who will stand up to a dictator, you know, because, because it's right. There is, there is a little bit in the middle where it almost feels like this Clark and John are going to be going to bond over something because mm-hmm. Clark's talking about how oh, your Superman has not done any of this stuff. He doesn't get involved, right? And John's like, yeah, he doesn't. And what have we, What did we talk about a lot in Taylor's time with John is that yeah. the, he was establishing that John would get involved in political mm-hmm. ideas. He would go to protests. Right. He would get involved in things that Clark would stay out of because he feels like he you know, he was born here. That's, he's, he mm-hmm. feels more equal to the humans here, and I guess in that sense, in terms of his right. nationality or whatever. So... Right. The idea that he actually, in a weird way, could kind of connect to this Clark over that for a little bit, it kind of sets you up that, oh, maybe he is going to be on his side for a bit before Mm -hmm. he realizes. But then I think this ending does a good job of very quickly saying, this is why you realize something's wrong here. Yeah. So. Well, I like that too, because it's like, yeah, Dad always said it wasn't my place. And the injustice Superman's like, yeah, I used to believe that too. And then he kind of hints at what happened, you know, without exactly telling John uh you know that the joker had killed lois while she was pregnant well not the joker the joker was responsible right for superman doing it um but yeah so and i wonder how john's gonna how john's gonna process what led to it because he's gonna have to find out yeah you know? um well i mean that's the thing is that i think that's a really important detail that i think people forget when they're talking about injustice mm-hmm. superman it's not just that lois pregnant lois died right it's that Superman was tricked into doing it. <laughs> like that right. that's a really important detail that would right. mess up anyone, I think. So Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's 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 uh I think it's interesting seeing one of our regular main, you know, Earth heroes interact with this universe, which up until now has been this very separate thing that's the video games and it's the it's the comic book that ties into it. You know, it's 
It's just yeah. been that on its own. So it's it's very interesting to see this established universe be kind of like discovered and like the reactions of our regular heroes. Um, although I mentally doubt I'm saying that. Like part of the plot in the the game, from what I remember, is that some of like the regular heroes from another Earth do end up in the Injustice Earth, and that's some oh. of who the good characters are. Oh wow! Okay. Now, admittedly, I'm sure technically now it's not Earth Zero because that would be the heroes from our main comics, but you right. know, in that video game, there is a regular universe where Superman didn't go evil, and there's characters from that Earth who end up in the Injustice. You know, like, right. it's, been, it's been a while since I played some of it, but mm-hmm. there was something like that. I, I, I want to say like Batman and Green Arrow were sneaking around, been like, what the hell's going on? Why is Superman right. the dick here? <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, I think you know, I think the story ideas and the character beats for John are really good in this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm always a little bit mixed on Clayton Henry art. It's always a bit clean. Yeah. And, you know, the, the foreheads aren't too bad here, but everything yeah. is. You know, it, it does have a very sort of flat cartoon look to it at times, mm-hmm. which I'm not super in love with in this particular style. Yeah, it's not bad though. It's a there. It is lacking that dynamic style of art that we've we've kind of seen in other. Taylor stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll give it this credit though. Like when when John reacts at the end to to, mm-hmm. to his realization of why everyone's quiet, you know, the mm-hmm. expression on his face does give you a lot. It's not like it's not doing some of the work that yeah. it's supposed to. Sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm wondering how how Wonder Woman's gonna play into this too, just because we we haven't really. I'm trying to think. Have we really read a uh, Tom Taylor Wonder Woman, let alone one that's sided with a you know broken superman so i don't want to even call him an evil superman because he's not even like evil like ultraman he's just you know oh sure yeah 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 Uh, he's you know everything he comes from he thinks he's doing the right thing right i think sometimes Um, i just say evil when i'm talking about him because it's just shorthand but yeah of course but yeah, I obviously, you know. I think the implication here is that Wonder Woman and him are a thing, you know, after Lois' oh. death. And, and it's interesting the way she says, like, you know, he's her son. It's, you know, that's that's right. one of her lines at one point. It almost feels like there's a yeah. bit of coldness coming off of it. Yeah, so, like, I've never read, you know, Taylor really write Wonder Woman. They've only been um, differing Earths, like, right? Like Dark Knights of Steel, that Diana and stuff, so. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But, so curious to see how she plays in this with john like it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if she ends up being the the bigger villain right mm, um, of, of this because again superman like I, I feel like once john finds out why superman did this he's going to be a little bit more forgiving but maybe he's going to try to redeem this this superman also there was uh, an interesting little bit here where I, mm-hmm. maybe i was misreading this but i felt like yeah. at one point uh this clark implied mm-hmm. that he would like to visit where john's from Oh no! And that makes me wonder, like, what happens if that ha- that that goes through? Right. right. <laughs> um, what happens if he sees the you know, the regular Lois or the regular Clark mm-hmm. or yeah. you know everything else that's going on? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, is he a threat or does meeting like regular right. Superman? Does our regular Superman? I mean, it probably won't because this is John's book. But I'm just right. imagining a scenario where regular Superman is able to like inspire this superman yeah. to like sort of return to be more supermany but to I, I be better yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know but it's john's book though so if anything it would be john that inspires it and yeah. it does kind of make sense because he's kind of yeah. the son that he was going to have but died uh-huh. you know right. with his wife so it's kind right. of an interesting and dynamic it, there 
And I feel like that's Taylor's thing that he likes to do. Like he likes to make things really dark, but he also likes to give a shred of light. And, you know, Injustice was his book that he was writing, like based off the concept from the video game. So if this was an ending that he'd want, like Superman to eventually be redeemed, who better do it than, you know, his son from another universe? This is the thing with Deceased and to an extent Darius of Steel and what he's doing Mm -hmm. here with John. When Taylor uses these other (laughs) versions of things or he does these Mm -hmm. Elseworlds, he always uses the wacky, like fun, like mashups or whatever Mm -hmm. he's doing to actually tell a story. They're not just, like, cheap references. Yeah. You know, everything we're seeing here, like, makes a lot of sense. The idea mm-hmm. that this version of a son that he never got to have mm-hmm. might inspire him is actually quite strong as a story idea, strong as a character yeah. beat, and it makes sense. Um, And it's obviously a good opportunity for John to, like, help a version of his father who's like this. It's just mm-hmm. maybe the most impossible task he's ever had. But it's quite interesting, especially in the follow-up of like being reminded of all this Ultraman stuff where he's met this really bad version of his dad right. and it's really traumatic for him. This is one who's bad, kind of, but one that can mm-hmm. maybe be rehabilitated, one that he can help, one that he can improve right. and feel like he's made a difference with. Yeah, in, in wrestling terms, he's a tweener, right? Sure, you know? sure. So he's... Well, go on, alienate the audience. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. So like in wrestling, right, you have heels and faces. You know, faces are good guys. Heels are the bad guys. But occasionally, you'll get a story in where they can have a bad guy, you know, do the right thing. And they kind of, you know, they still do dirtbag bad guy stuff. But, you know, they still get cheered as, as you know, heroic things. I can't think of any off the top of my head recently. Because, like wrestling crowds nowadays are super meta and they cheer bad guys on purpose. You know, it's like, I would never call MJF a tweener because that dude's a, a heel through and through. Um, but I don't know, maybe someone like, like Moxley with uh, Blackpool combat club, right? You're not supposed to like him, but he does have some honor occasionally. Uh, and I feel like that's here with injustice. Superman is we're not supposed to like him, but he did, you know, Help the climate crisis, which was something that John was focused on throughout his Superman book. So, um, but yeah, uh, with, with three issues left to go, right? This was it's three of six. Yeah, three of six. Yeah, we we still have a lot of story in here. Like, I feel like it's taking its time in a good way. Like you said, it didn't it didn't decompress enough to where we got an issue or two of him going around that planet and seeing things. You know, Taylor got to the point real quick of. It's quiet because people are scared. And that's not a Superman thing, right? Superman doesn't inspire fear usually. No. So, you know. Yeah, you can draw the Batman Batman would be into this. But obviously, Mm -hmm. part of the plot of Injustice is that Batman is fighting him the whole time because it's too draconian. Uh, But there is a joke to be made that Batman's like, fear, you say? Oh, that's right up my alley. (laughs) Yeah, wait, no, too far. He's like, no, you got too far, man. They're too afraid of you. (laughs) They're holding their breath. All the criminals, Uh, Clark. All the criminals need to be scared of you. Not not the public. Yeah, they're the the superstitious and cowardly. Not not the general public. They're cool. (laughs) No, the entire plot of the Batman movie from last year was... uh, Oh, it'd only make the, the bad people fear you because yeah. otherwise you're sending a wrong message and you're not, you know. Right. Anyway, uh, so, yeah. No, Star Sword issue is, is doing mm-hmm. some some really smart things with mashing up these other versions of characters uh, that, that plays into, like, John's journey and potentially an interesting journey for, for Injustice Superman as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. 
Um, what are you giving Adventures of Superman John Ken issue three? I'm gonna give this an eight. Yeah, yeah, I think it just about ekes out the. I, I think my only question is that I'm not in love with the art, so I'm I'm kind of wavering a little bit. But I, I think I'll give it the eight overall because I still think it's doing a really solid job of uh, the story that's telling. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, The Flash, 798, Jeremy Adams writing with Fernando Pissarin and Will Robson on the art. So, mm-hmm. we just start off with the new baby. Yeah. Wade West. Uh, right. It took me this entire issue to realize why he's named Wade. Go on. Uh, I feel that's an homage to Mark Wade, right? Well, I mean, it's spelled differently, but, you know... I felt like maybe naming him Jeff would be a little bit too on the nose. But so I feel like Wade as, as his name, <laughs> as someone that, you know, is known for his Flash run that, you know, Wade, Wade was like, what, eight or nine years throughout the 90s on Flash? Yeah, and it was all Wally West stuff, pretty much. Yeah, but it was all, yeah. And so it feels, it makes sense to me that Jeremy Adams would, you know, throw in that character, you know. And I know Wade was, he was a character from the the Fraction, right? That, that popped up. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I feel like it wasn't just from that, but yeah. I also feel like the way the story starts off with the birth of the kid, I'm waiting for some tiny wimey stuff. I, I feel like, Matt, they were implying with this name that that mm-hmm. was actually their son from the future, who was... Do you think it was a son from the future, or do you think it was a, an alternate version of him? Or maybe an alternate version, but yeah. I think I think there's supposed to be an implied connection there that he was always yes. a version of their new son. Yes, right. And I get that too, but uh, you know... For me, it wasn't just like, oh, you know, it dawned on me, maybe because I had, I read Shazam right after I read this, that, oh, Wade, like Mark Wade, oh, shoot, Flash great writer, Mark Wade. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe that, maybe that is a homage to him. Yeah. Uh, so. But, yeah, so, meanwhile, Wally's going to Mr. Terrific's place to uh, turn mm-hmm. on a big fancy gizmo thing. Yeah, to, to help out, even though he's still on paternity leave, yes, which he you- lets, he lets Holt know, you know, it'll yes. come in enough break. The money better be worth it. Uh, but the main big threat that's set up here for these last few issues uh, of, of Adam's run is that Granny Goodness shows up pretend to be a nurse and steals the baby. Okay, so what book did we just see Granny Goodness show up in? Was it Flash? What? Because I remember Granny showing up at the end of something. And I can't remember what it was. I've had no sleep, man. You're not going to get an answer. I got you. It wasn't, <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel, I want to say it was Danger Street because of all the Kirby stuff, but it wasn't. So I just remember Granny Goodness showing up at the end of something and being like, ooh, interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah. Granny showing up as a nurse and then what, taking what, the baby. Was it just the end of the last issue of Flash, Matt? Maybe. I don't know, dude. I read too many comics It may have point. been. It may have just been the yeah. last issue of Flash teasing this. Maybe. Maybe. But, anyway, yeah. anyway, so there's an explosion at the hospital uh, after after goodness nabs the baby, uh, mm-hmm. and then out of this, you know, the, the the big collider thing that they were turning on, our man walks out and says, "Your baby's been kidnapped by Granny Goodness, and I'm here to help." Mm-hmm. And he has a whole thing where he was fighting a uh, what you call it, extant uh, somewhere in the time stream, and he ended mm-hmm. up being pulled away because of everything going on with your kid, because your kid's connected to the Speed Force and time in a weird way, because it's because of you, Wally, because you're connected to time mm-hmm. and space in a weird way. Right, so he explains all this shit. Linda's obviously pissed uh, and wants her kid back. And they have to get the the, the world of Gog and all that shit and they need to get the uh, all, all these things. So 
what this is doing here, and this is where it started to come together. I mean, I enjoyed the start. I enjoyed the, the family being happy and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But where it started to come together for me in this issue is that, you know, it's the last start mm-hmm. arc of the run. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is where he should be pulling in things that he set up previously. So this is where, you know, we bring in other characters. Obviously, it ends uh-huh. with the wrestling guy, the tag team champion from yeah. the wrestling. Not Hulk, not Hulk Hogan. Yeah. But here yeah. we have, uh, what, Gold Beetle. Gold Beetle shows up. And the interesting thing here, too, is this is the first time she's meeting Wally. Yeah, that, this right? is like, so, yeah. So for her uh-huh. perspective, this is the first time. And then he's uh-huh. kind of, he's excited by that because he's like, oh, right. now I get to be the one who knows things yeah. and you don't have mm-hmm. a clue. Uh, yep. uh, Linda knows that this is going to be Jay's girlfriend someday. So that's mm-hmm. uh, an interesting little bit. Uh, Mr. Okay. Terrific brings in the Terrifics to go on this yep. mission, which I thought was interesting. With a, with a big T-shaped spaceship, I thought was hilarious. Yeah, he's got a big T-shaped mm-hmm. spaceship that says Fair Play in the bottom, and they're going mm-hmm. to fly. Wallace comes along as well, and yep. they're basically all off on a rescue mission to go get the kid back from Granny Goodness mm-hmm. and save the day. Simple enough. And there's some banter. There's a fun yep. little Star Trek reference where uh, Wally says, make it so, which is a Captain Picard yep. line. Uh, also, Mr. Terrific being upset that Gold Beetle starts calling Wally the captain. And yeah. Terrific's like, that's not even, this is my ship. And yeah, there was just, there's fun little banter throughout that yeah. I've enjoyed now, from, from Adams. So I, I mostly had a good time with this. Obviously, it ends with just the, the wrestler dude like landing on top of the spaceship. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's, they that, hit him like on the windshield. That, that's the like, end hey, of the, the issue. Yeah. I will say, though, uh, the one thing that drags this down is the two different artists. Uh, Pissar yeah. and Solid, I don't think I like Will Robson's art that much. It's very, yeah. I don't know, uh, simplistic, I guess. I almost sounds really insulting, mm-hmm. but like, no. it's very lacking detail, and it's very smooth. Yeah. There's not a lot of uh, depth to it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I really felt the change when it kind of, you know, switched to it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, I can really feel this, like, because if you look at the first like page with them in the hospital yeah. and they're all hugging, there's so much detail in the page. There's so much detail yeah. in their hair and their faces and everything. It looks really good. It's like, mm-hmm. is a solid artist. And then you get to the stuff on the spaceship towards the end yeah. and like Wally's just like a, an oval, the, the top half's red <laughs> and the bottom half's yeah. skin. And there's like a mouth and some eyes and that's it. And I, I know that sounds silly because obviously those details would always be there, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It just, it, it goes really simplistic to me and I think, you know, even if you like this art, I think you would still probably agree that it's a little jarring yeah. going from one to the other. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double and remind it, because I read this early in the week, so... Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It is It is kind of flat, right? Like... Yeah, it's flat. It's a good word for it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Kind of flat. But, yeah. But, but yeah, no. Also, um, the... The second time we were getting Hour Man showing up dealing with timey-wimey stuff. So yeah, I wonder I, if there's yeah, I, something more to that. Yeah, I almost thought yeah. he was going to walk out and say, your baby's been taken to an island where a bunch of kids yeah. are being held captive. And that's Me not... Too. And, and maybe even this was going to explain why he was doing what he was doing in Stargirl. Yeah. It seems to be separate from that, so yeah. don't worry about it. But maybe, yeah, maybe there will be some connection yeah. uh, down the line. Something... Well, and, and with the whole time point thing that we, we've gotten through through Adams, I'm wondering if we're going to get, you know, with the Golden Age and all this stuff where they're explaining hyper time and, um, and all the other multiverse stuff, if we're going to get a kind of new Time Masters thing out of all of this. Actually, 
there is an interesting little connection here. A little detail is that mm-hmm. Adams is going to write that Jay Garrick story under with that Judy. Go- with Judy under that Golden mm-hmm. Age banner, which does connect him at least tangentially to the yeah. Star Girl mini. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of like at least on some level, he's continuing things that Johns has set up. So maybe he is setting up something here that's going yeah. to tie into that with our man. That's yeah. that's entirely possible. Yeah. But that was my first thing when it ended up being the the Android version, though. I was like, hmm, okay. Let let's see where this goes. But yeah, no, I'm I'm here for for the ride, uh, for the for the next issue at least. And then to see where, you know, what he sets up in eight hundred, you know, where he leaves things. Well, um, I wouldn't want like, him to set anything up. I'd want him to round things off and then let the new well, writer set things up. What I mean is like, are we gonna get a taste of that Jay Garrick story from from Adams in there? Or is uh, it gonna be the end of his story, or is he I don't think end so, story on the next because one? I don't think so, because that Jay Garrick story is set in the past. That's set in the 40s or whatever. Okay. So, uh, I mean, maybe you'll get, like, a slight reference to it, but if Jay's yeah. there, maybe he'll say something about his past, but... Uh, then, then definitely, that's that's what I meant by studying things there, was, you know, dealing with that. Now that we know that's the, the Flash story he's going to go to, that many... Yeah. You know. for, for me, I just I think this this final arc is at least it's ticking mm-hmm. some boxes for me right now, which is like these fun characters that you set up, uh, mm-hmm. Gold Beetle and the wrestler, like that it makes you feel like okay, mm-hmm. all these things that he's set up over the course of his run are going to be mm-hmm. relevant here. And it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me if like Maxine helps the kids with something as well, because they've set yep. up this relationship with the kids and the Animal Man family. Mm-hmm. I can see them playing into it at some point by the end. Like all these yeah. things that we've done over the course of the run. Uh right. so uh, no, enjoyable. I mean, Flash is just mm-hmm. a. It's like I wouldn't say anything from Adam's run has been amazing. It's never been John's Flash run. It's never been yeah. like absurdly special. But it's been a very solid, fun, consistent thing. I, yeah, but it's just good. Not great. It's, it's one of those good. books. It's one of those books when I when I go to download my stuff that I'm going to read for the week. Though when Flash is sitting there, I get excited. I'm like, oh, I get to read this this week. Hmm. You know, and very rarely has it disappointed. Like you said, so it's just been a very solid fun read that I can't wait to go back and get in trade now, um, so I can reread it. It's definitely one I'm going to want to revisit in a couple of years. Yeah, it's a very easy read as well. I, you know, honestly, because mm-hmm. I mean, if we're rating the issue, like you know, I'm pro- probably giving this like a seven point five, which doesn't sound mm-hmm. like again, it, it, yeah, it doesn't reach like unimaginable heights, but it's just it's just really yeah. consistent and solid, and yeah, you know, that, that's that's nice to have in the in the oh. repertoire. And I'll agree with the seven point five. That's uh, that's about right. I, mean, I, I could have kicked it to eight if the art in the back wasn't as you know, like we said, flat and, and yeah. the the you know. art changing really does yes. drag it down a bit. So yeah, say that. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Shazam issue one. Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the art. And huh? uh, first thing I'll say on this is that. Uh, Dan Moore, I, I think it's maybe because it's different colorists, but the colorists having more of a watercolor look, I immediately went, wait, is this Dan Moore? You sure? I did. <laughs> I did the same thing. And, you know, uh, when we talk to our favorites, usually usually Dan Moore's a lock when oh, it comes yeah. to art. Oh, and I don't know if that's true this week. Well, it's not to say that it's bad. Like, it is, it's, just, no. it's very good. It fits the tone that it's going for. And I could definitely recognize some of his line work as the, as the uh-huh. book went on. Mm-hmm. But... The first couple of, especially like uh, Captain Marvel's face, I was kind of like, yeah. "Oh, like that doesn't look like Dan Mori to me." Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just out of the coloring and how it's shaded differently to normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's clearly going for 
I mean, he already, I would already say World's Finest was pulpy with his art. Yeah. But this is going for a more of a, a whimsical pulpy. <laughs> it's a little bit it, different. <laughs> it starts with Billy riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex through the jungle. I, I Shazam, no, not as... Uh, right, that's not, right. Not, not, not as Kid Billy, yeah. I, uh, I, just hook this to my veins, please. So here's the thing. This, this arc is called Meet the Captain. And yep. it sets up a little bit later that Billy, or sorry, that Freddy and some of the others mm-hmm. have started calling him Captain. And they, they imply that there's like a little story that set this up that he's going to, he'll, yep. he'll explain it later. He's, he's too embarrassed to go into it just yep. now. So there's going to be a, a, re- a story reason why he's, he's, he's getting called Captain, which is obviously a reference to the fact that he right. used to be called Captain Marvel. But I, what I like about it, other than just the fact that it's nice to go back to something kind of like Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, is that... He does kind of acknowledge that it's nice to have a name that he can use that's not the magic word that changes him back into being Billy. Which, <laughs> oh, and, and I know why DC changed it because yeah. of Captain Marvel over at Marvel. However, changing his name to Shazam instead of something like Captain Thunder or whatever. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, Captain Thunder, that'd have worked. Right? Like, that's his magic word, though. So that's, that's, it was always the problem with, uh, with Freddy when he was Captain Marvel Jr. is the word Captain Marvel is what would change him into mm. that. So it was just, again, golden age silliness that when you look through it with modern eyes, you're just like, okay, yeah. how do we fix this? I, I, never, really, Mark- I never really thought yeah. about it before this, though, but as soon as he said that yeah. in the narration, I was like, oh, yeah, well, how did, mm-hmm. someone asks his name when he's Shazam. Like, what does he say? Because he can't. <laughs> there, there's a wizard that gave me my powers. Be sure a name. I cannot say it though. You know? <laughs> Does he just spell uh, it out with like well, a chili there? Right. Well, and this is where I think Mark Wade's the perfect person to make sense of all of the stuff that's been going on because I always thought that it was weird that the wizard was also named Shazam when the you know it's the words an acronym for the different gods mm-hmm. that they give him his powers. So it was just like, well, did the wizard take that name after the different gods or or what? Like. And and here it seems like we're gonna get, you know, a, a slight difference with him being called the captain, and we're I think we're gonna delve into the wizard and all that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, he's riding a T Rex, and it turns out that this is a space T Rex uh, that is the child of two other T Rex who have uh, got a spaceship, and they're thankful that Captain Marvel has brought them back their yep. baby T Rex, and they offer him some tea, which is disgusting because it's made out of some weird alien thing. Uh, sounds like droppings of some kind yeah. so yeah miss but, me with that so yeah we there's a panel in this book about three or four pages in where two t-rexes are holding a giant tea kettle or teapot yep. and, and like captain marvel's holding this giant teacup and they're just having a casual chat with them that, mm-hmm. and this just sets up okay mark wade's not shying away from the silliness he's going all in he's going balls deep yep there's there's a reason why back back in the day he uh, captain marvel's known as the big red cheese and I feel the more we lean into this, the more we can differentiate him from then then Shazam or Captain Marvel, whatever we're calling him, is just magic Superman. Mm-hmm. It's like Superman's not gonna go have tea with space tyrannosaurs. It, as much also, as I would love that. Yeah, and he know? also points out at one point in this, uh, he complains he doesn't have X-ray vision. Again, it's not a big yep. thing, but it's just to, again, no. make sure you know it's not Superman. Like, you know. Right. Differentiation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one of the things, so he's at the Rock of Eternity, uh, and he's he's hanging out. One of the little things here that I don't know if it's ever yeah. been brought up before, it may, this yeah. may be something that Mark Wade's pulled from somewhere else, mm-hmm. but I love this idea that the wisdom part of Shazam 
is why he always ends up turning back into Billy because the mm-hmm. wisdom lets him know that he should turn back into a child so he can grow up properly. So he can be a right. kid, he can go to school, he can learn, he can do the things that are responsible. The right. wisdom is, is, is this voice. I mean, it's, he describes it as a nagging voice because he's like a kid right. and he doesn't want it. But that wisdom is what ensures that he always does go back to his normal life. That's actually yeah. genius. I, I, yeah, I love that because he makes it like it's not intelligence, right? He doesn't have like super intelligence, but it's, it's making the right decision, like turning back into Billy. And like when he compares it to that nagging voice, it's like the, yeah, I need to eat my vegetables. I don't want to, but you know, deep down they're good. Um, yeah. So, and so yeah, he, he needs to experience life as a kid still. Yeah, that was all good stuff. Uh, they do kind of establish right now that none of the other family can turn in. Like his his powers aren't working correctly, or they're not working the exact same way ever since Lazarus Planet. Right. And as a result, the others like so Freddy, and he feels guilty about Freddy because Freddy obviously loves being the superhero version because he right. really gets to walk without his crutches. Never mind right. to have superpowers. So obviously that's something they want to fix. And I feel like this is, and he does mention narration because I was a lot, I was a little bit worried yep. that this was going to just kind of shy away from the family stuff. But he, mm-hmm. and even though they're not really featured in this other than Freddy mm-hmm. and one panel of Mary. And obviously, we like Mary a lot. We love that miniseries, so we do hope uh, she gets well, a bit of time later. But mm-hmm. it does at least mention all the others. It mentions Pedro, it mentions Darla, it mentions Eugene. Mm-hmm. So it does probably mean that by the end of the arc, maybe, or if there's more after this, yeah. if they do get an extension, that, yeah, there probably will be a big moment where he's able to give his powers back out again to everyone. Yeah. But Yeah. Well, and the fact that they brought Takitani in as well as, you know, to help out his foster and, parents. And that was something that, you know, T was brought in mm-hmm. in the modern continuity mm-hmm. in the John stuff, right? I yeah. Say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, he came from one of the wildlands. That's, that's right, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so the fact that Wade brings him in, he's like, yeah, it's right, he's a talking tiger, but he cooks real well. And, you know, the parents need a little bit of extra help with all those mouths to feed. So, you know, I just like the idea that Tawny's there now too. Um, but again, not shying away from the silliness. You know, he didn't need to justify a talking tiger in a green suit. He's just like, he's here now, and he's my friend. Yeah. So, uh, when they leave the cave of, uh, the Rock of Eternity, though, I should say, mm-hmm. um, the wizard and some godlike-looking figure? Yeah, someone. We don't know. Uh, I mean, there's, looks very much like Zeus or, yeah. you know, Jupiter, one of, one of the big gods. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could tell me something like Hercules, maybe, and I'd, I'd believe mm-hmm. you if you said that to me. Yeah. Uh, but they're basically talking about how Billy's been a useless little shit, and he needs to be like brought down a peg <laughs> too. Effectively, he's cluttering the Rock of Eternity with his, you know, all his collections that he's done from his, you know, things that he's gone and done. Yeah, we have to restore yeah. the the uh, honor of the gods because yeah. that that little shit's ruining everything. So that mm-hmm. kind of sets up something, and we see Billy at school, we see him at home, he's at gym. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it points out, yeah, when he's a kid, he's not like, you know, he's shit at track, he's not very good at climbing the rope. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, all really simple stuff just to, again, differentiate between the yeah. kid version of Billy and Shazam. Uh, but we got all this stuff. Um, it mentions that he's actually making a little bit of money by, like, doing news reports <laughs> online. Yeah. Uh, of what Shazam's up to or what Captain Marvel's up to because obviously mm-hmm. no one's going to suspect that it's him in secret because he's a kid right, right? whereas if Clark mm-hmm. suddenly started having all these scripts on Superman it might look a bit right. fishy you know well it's always that thing with, with Peter Parker right why he's able to get mm-hmm. the good pictures of Spider-Man it's because he sets his camera up uh, to get the good shots absolutely you know 
Uh, but people assume he's holding the camera, yeah. Right. Uh, so there's a big earthquake in California. Uh, Shazam flies off to mm-hmm. deal with it. And when he gets there, there's people under rubble. So we get some heroic panels. Uh, mm-hmm. Art's obviously very beautiful. Dan Mora doing his thing. Yep. And the big cliffhanger of the issue is that when he saved a few people and he's asked on camera about coming to save people, he just he goes out of character and starts calling people uh, what peons. They should be yeah. on their knees begging with gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't touch me with your filthy hands, like stuff like that. Um, who do you worms think you are? And then he realizes, and he's like, it's, it's like something's made him say that. He didn't yeah. voluntarily do that. But he's like, what did I just do? I mean, I think the obvious assumption for us is that the wizard is is, is up to mm-hmm. this. This is his doing. Yep. And I'm wondering if this is with the whole idea with the gods, because from what I read in that Lazarus planet, the revenge of the gods is they want to return to a state of, you know, fear, kind of. Mm. You know, they're the ones that are powerful. You should be worshiping them up because we're scary. And so I'm wondering if that's kind of what this is going to play into. And that, you know, Billy's going to have to show, you know, that as Earth's mightiest mortal, he's more akin to being the mortal than uh, just an agent of the gods. It's a very interesting thing for Billy to like have to like fight against is like mm-hmm. them trying to like turn him into a different personality and yeah. to stand his ground and try well, and not let that happen. Yeah, and I'm wondering too if this is more of you know because remember in Kingdom Come that Mark Wade wrote, Billy ends up being like not seduced right because that that has a different thing, but he's able to be talked into fighting Superman by Luther, right? He's able to like he's the He's the representative for mankind, not this alien, you know. And we get that whole fight between, you know, Clark and Shazam uh, at the end of Kingdom Come. So I'm wondering if this is kind of leaning into that, mm-hmm. you know, the this this. So what I'm looking for, um, coercion. Yeah, almost a, not even a coercion because that would mean that he's being tricked. Because Billy knows this is all wrong, right? But it's almost like uh, like. Well, he's kind of being poisoning tricked. him. He's kind of being tricked in a way, though. He didn't mean to say yeah. it. You know, he's, right. he's kind of forced. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like he's being poisoned. You know, um, I would say it's even more like he's been mind controlled for like a, yeah. a minute. Yeah. What is the word I'm looking for? I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out later. Possessed. Kind of, but no, it's not like that. It's uh, it's like when someone, you know, is able to to get their hooks in you, and you know, <sighs> corrupt. Is it corrupted? I guess corrupted would be the closest. Yeah. I don't know. But you yeah. must have plotted that. I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's okay. Yeah. Now, the art's very good throughout. I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, it's very. It's a little bit different from... And I, I think it's a lot of the colours more than anything else that's mm-hmm. making it different from other Darmore stuff, but it fits what it's doing. The red on the suit looks great when he's flying around and he's doing stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Wade is perfect for this character. Uh, I, I thought the tone was, was excellent. Uh, it takes its time to sort of, okay, give us a bit of fun, silly Captain Marvel stuff with the dinosaurs, set up where the family is right now, set up where Billy's life is like right now, really establish it for people who have never read Shazam before. You know, what this is, is, you know, when he's a kid, he's he's a normal, weak kid. When he's Shazam, he's this grown superhero, but he's still got the mind of the kid. Um, right. I thought it did a lot to set him up for people who are new, but also just to reestablish things and, like, like I say, like talking about the wisdom, and that's why he turns back into a kid. Mm-hmm. It added some extra little things in there that even if you've read a lot of Shazam, that may I, I think that was a great little detail. Yeah, it made it comfortable for as, as a long time Shazam reader. You know that I've I've tried to read all the Shazam books since I've been reading comics again, 
um, as far and few between as they've come out. And then for like new time people, right? Because you know all the continuity from the last couple of years is still intact. It's not like it's a fr- it's a fresh reboot. Or we're starting back from yeah. scratch. So it was, you know, it was equally for me as much as the person that's never read it before. So that's I like that. Yeah. Uh and I, obviously I think the the background plot of like what the gods and the the wizard even specifically mm-hmm. being maybe the kind of the key antagonist, yeah. at least for now. Maybe they'll introduce someone else yeah. as well later, but that, Taking a nice break from Savannah and Mr. Mine yeah, and whoever else. That's an intriguing antagonist, and I think like, the art is really good in that page where they're in the shadows talking. Mm-hmm. They, they do feel kind of imposing and creepy and, and whatever. So, uh, yeah, I really like this first issue. Uh, not surprised by that, but um, this could end up being Mark Wade's best book since he's come back to DC, if this is mm-hmm. uh, a decent indication. And, I, and yeah. I've enjoyed everything else he's done. To- yeah very extents, but he's had very few whiffs yeah. uh, since he's come back to DC. So no, I'm excited for issue two. I'm on board. This is a successful mm-hmm. issue one. I'm happy. No, I'm surprised again, but you know, no, happy yeah. to see it all the same. Uh, what are you rating Shazam issue one? Eight point five. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with eight point five. Also, like- I just want to throw in there too that this made me not that there's anything wrong with Billy. I think I just prefer Mary as a character to Billy. Um, and I just don't know if that's the whole teenage boy aspect of him. Right. Well, um, yeah, Mary's a bit more mature and that, I think yeah. that's something that at least felt fresh for the lead yeah. Shazam character for at least mm-hmm. an arc. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just Mary as a character, like through, through the stuff that I've read and when, you know, in uh, deceased and that whole side, I was like, yeah, I think, I think I like Mary a little bit more in the Shazam family. You know, yeah. there's anything wrong with Billy, but yeah. No, I mean, typically because they want to they, they portray him as a kid who likes mm-hmm. goofy shit. Um, he has a very specific type of thing that they sort of focus on. Yeah. Which is fine. But, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, obviously with Mary, you get to do the, you know, in that case, it was college. But even if you do like right. an earlier story, she's still in high school. She's still right. older than the others. She, you know, so mm-hmm. there's a different type of character there uh, on yeah. top of just the, the different gender and all the other things that make her different. Mm-hmm. But, uh, For sure. Yeah. So, oh, cool. Uh, all right. Uh, Poison Ivy, issue 12. Mm-hmm. G. Willow Wilson writing with Marcio, Marcio Takara on the art. Take it away, Matt. Yeah, so the Lamia has gone wild. And not just has it gone wild, It the fact that it came from Pam itself, it has been mutated, which is what life does, right? To, in order to survive, it makes adjustments. Somehow so, life found a way, is what you're saying. Somehow, yes. You know, uh return somehow but so uh the 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 Gwyneth Paltrow analog character from Goop or Gloop whatever they were, were calling it you know explodes into Lamia spores and uh Pam has to you know get into the mode of we can't just like I can't let this stuff run wild because now she has a conscience about all this after having her mind expanded through this retreat and so what she does is like I have to get infected by this wild stuff and through me if i survive i can be the cure so um her and her friend you know go to confront this this creature and she sees it as woodrow you know it's it's pam again confronting her trauma and as the lamia spores you know fully take over her she passes out and ends up into like this in her brain it's seen as like this purgatory 
where it's like a space between life and death and it's very quiet and still and this is where Wilson gets to get a little bit like philosophical like she did at the beginning of the book um, of you know we know so much about life but we know nothing about what comes before or after so it's almost like there's this quietness and it's Pam ruminating on all of this and she kind of feels at peace but she also feels like there's there's more that she needs to do. And as she's having this discussion about life, she also is like, but there's also death. That everything that everything that leads to life comes from the death of something, right? We have to eat animals for energy or harvest plants. And it's a cycle. And it kind of is poison ivy as as a character in a nutshell, right? She goes through these phases where she's like this this villain that wants to uh, unleash this zombie spore on, on the earth, right? To uh, this anti-hero that just wants to take down Woodrow because Woodrow was the person that, that created her. And we, you know, I'm just creating more monsters. So now she's basically a hero that needs to stop her problem that she created. And so um, Pam eventually comes out of it and she, you know, um, the the Gwyneth Paltrow lady ends up dying uh, from from all of that. And she wakes up in this really nice house and it's one of the ladies that was at the, the retreat. So, uh, she wakes up and gets, gets her friend that she was there with and says, you know, we need, I, I need science stuff. We, we need to get, you know, I need tubes and I need vials and cause she's going to start making an antidote. So in this house, she, she's, you know, able to put her, um, her blood to use because her blood's going to have the antibodies to fight the, the spores. But while she's doing this, she keeps seeing like this every time she passes out or falls asleep, like the spirit of would you like constantly telling her you're never going to escape me. You're nothing. And, you know, she's like, I just have to learn not to listen to him. And that's where she wakes up and the, you know, the, the antidote has worked now that she tried on herself. And so she starts giving it to all of the ladies um, that she's infected with the wild lamia. But there's one that won't take it because she doesn't want to get vaccinated. And um, Ivy's one friend's like, no, you know, we, we have to do it. Like, she can't just be out there. The problem's never going to end. And Pam tells her, like, I can't force it. Me forcing my beliefs kind of led to this. So people have to come to it. If If she wants to end up, like other people that have gotten infected, that's on her and we'll deal with it when it comes. Um, which is a big, you know, a big character piece for, for Pam. So they hop in the car. Janet's her friend's name, by the way. Um, her and Janet, you know, hop in her van, head back to Gotham because she needs to meet with, with Harley. Uh, but along the way, they see one of the Lamia zombies that she originally infected, you know, when she had first met Janet in that special. And... He's too far gone for the uh, for the antidote to work, so Pam's forced to kill him. Um, and uh, you know, uh, Janet is you know telling her like, "You were supposed to be a hero. You're supposed to figure this stuff out." She goes, "Yeah, I know, but there's only so much I can do. So now I have to go and fix my mistake and find these zombies and take care of them myself." You know and. I let myself get carried away. And really at the end of the day, by creating these monsters, I'm no better than Woodrow. And Janet tells her, but that's, 
that's why you're different. You, you, you know, you've had growth. And so uh, they drive into Gotham. She can feel, you know, uh, you know, start to feel things get more tense. And she ends up in Slaughter Swamp and she meets Harley. And then um, she's like, how am I going to explain everything that I did? You know, um, and they embrace and it says, oh, no, that can wait. You know, the whole world can wait because now she's back with Harley. So uh, that's where it ends. I feel like if if it didn't get an extension, this would have been a perfect ending for all this because Pam's come full circle from, you know, from full on villain back to anti-hero right now. So and she has learned quite a bit, you know, from facing her past trauma and defeating it and then not letting it go anymore. Takara's art is, is very, very good. Yeah. Anytime you see one of the Lamia creatures, they are very grotesque. Uh, Woodrow looks very scary. And so it counters all these like sharp angles on the monsters are countered by, you know, the art of Pam and Janet and like the more natural world stuff um, that hasn't been uh, corrupted is all very round and soft. And the colors are like these kind of watercolory thing. It's less psychedelic than the book's been. So I just thoroughly enjoyable. It's still one of my favorite books every time, every month. Um, but yeah, so I will give Poison Ivy 12 and 8. Okay. Very good. Uh, and we're sticking with you, Matt, because you did give a try what? to Peacemaker Tries Hard issue 1, which is Kyle Stark's rating with yes. Steve Pugh on the art. So, Steve Pugh's art, fantastic. Um, big fan, big fan of Pugh. I think he did the Flintstones book with Mark mm. Russell. And um, he does satire very well. He's very good at expressions. I will say the big problem with this book came from the dialogue that it is trying way too hard to be James Gunn. Mm. And there's only one James Gunn, right? And there's a reason why he gets to go and make these big movies and the Peacemaker show and he's taking over Superman. It's because that's a skill that's needed to be refined over time. And I don't think Starks has it. The story itself is fine. It's the dialogue from Peacemaker that makes me cringe. It comes out like a bad Deadpool kind of tries to be very self-aware. It's almost trying to be the Peacemaker TV show version. And like, I can hear John Cena saying this dialogue, but it just comes off as forced. There's very, there's not a nuance to it. You know, where you feel like we're very much in on the joke. Um, here it's almost taking it a little bit too self-serious you know, we're not self-serious, but the, hey, look how edgy we're being, right? Uh, and so this this story is, um, he's trying to adjust to being, you know, out of Task Force X because he's been given, you know, his release. And he's trying to adjust back to normal life, but it's hard. So he ends up getting into arguments at the grocery store with people. Um, and that's where he says that, you know, he loves peace so much that, he'll kill for it, which was a big line from the Suicide Squad. Um, because he shows up in the, the grocery store in his full costume and people start making fun of him. Um, and he gets a call from Waller that, you know, they need him for a mission. And it's not like supervillains. It's a bunch of essentially domestic terrorists. And it should be just an easy, an easygoing uh he asks about if the Suicide Squad will be there. And then we get, you know, basically some of the movie versions or maybe even from other 
Suicide Squad books. But you got Boomerang, Harley, Deadshot, and King Shark. Is it um, supposed to be like in the same universe as the show? I don't think it's supposed to be the same universe, but I think it's pulling a lot from there. Okay. Right? His costume, the way that he's drawn, he very much looks like John Cena. Even the King Shark looks like the King Shark from the movie. Same with the costume on Harley. Uh, but, you know, Deadshot wasn't in Peacemaker, right? Unless I've, I haven't finished the show, which this did make me want to go back. And no, I was enjoying it. I just ran out of time. Yeah, Deadshot so, wasn't. Uh, no. Unless he showed up in the last episode, because I don't watch that yet. But Gotcha. Also, you haven't finished either. I don't feel as bad. Um, but so, you know, basically Suicide Squad, you know, uh, waves him off because even they don't want to be around him because they're like, yeah, he's a tough hang. You know, it was like the last time we were there, he was showing us his collection of VHS porn and Waller's like, what the hell? And Harley's like, yeah, it was disgusting even for me. So again, it's, it's trying to play with how edgy it can be. Um, so he goes down and he takes out all of these, these domestic terrorists even like one of them uh, he recognized from the last ones that he he busted up. And while he's there, he comes across the stray dog and he ends up taking the stray dog. And because of the dog's marking, it looks like he's wearing a tuxedo. And he goes, well, look at that. He's such a fancy little gentleman, kind of like Bruce Wayne. So he names the dog Bruce Wayne. Um, they end up saying that the dog's just a stray, that he doesn't have a name. So well, he's like, well, then he's not you know, one of yours, I'm taking him. Uh, the police shows up. He has the dog. He starts reminiscing about how his dad wouldn't let him have a dog, you know, because his dad was this big, scary, you know, almost domestic terrorist himself that told him that, you know, you can't trust anything that forms an ideology or forms a loyalty without having an ideology. So we can't have dogs. And so that's all the thing that, you know, Chris, which is Peacemaker's real name, wanted so he goes home to the trailer, which looks, again, very much like the show. Um, and he gets there, and his parole officer's there. Um, you know, basically told told him that, you know, you you got to be, you got to be staying the straight and narrow, or else we're going to be bringing you back. Um, he tries to bond with the parole officer, but even the parole officer's like, no, nah, man, I got stuff to do. And so he, you know, he leaves him there. Um Peacemaker goes to buy some dog food from the store and get some other things that he forgot because there's a subplot here that he's trying to make an instant cake, like with the instant cake mix. And he says that all he needs is, is water. And even the parole officer is like, no, man, you need oil and eggs. So while he goes out to get the dog food and the oil and eggs, the brain uh, pops in, uh, which, again, I know this is Black Label, but we're getting a lot of Peacemaker and the brain with Doom Patrol. And now we're getting Peacemaker in the brain here that they stole his dog um, because they, they want him, you know, uh, to come see him. And so he shows up, just starts taking it like night, you know, night guardsmen. Um, and one of them's like, yeah, no, we're, we're not actually night guardsmen. We just work at this this water sanitation place. Uh, and, you know, Peacemaker camouflaged himself with like black water which is all you know like sewage so the guy you know hoses him off and he ends up running into monster Milan in the brain and basically they said like if you want your dog you have to go and get us some of deathstroke's dna and so because the brain wants a new body um so after they they back and forth you know they go you know uh argue 
you know, peace, peacemaker ends up. Uh, okay, there's a lot of banter in this book. This book could easily be ten pages shorter if there wasn't a lot of dialogue. So I'm I'm trying to see if there was anything back in here. But yeah, no, it's just peacemaker essentially telling telling the the brain like, well, can't you? Don't you want the big gorilla? And he's like, oh no, his his body couldn't handle my brain and stuff. So it ends with with peacemaker realizing that now he's going to have to face off against Deathstroke. So again, the art is is really good. It just it suffered from that. It's trying too hard to be edgy, which I feel like James Gunn rides that line very well. Of you know, if he tiptoes over it, he brings it back with something else. Mm-hmm. And here, there's there's not a lot of it bringing it back. It's like, yeah, it's great that, that he has affection for this dog that he just met, and I like all of that. But a lot of his dialogue is, I know we're not supposed to like him, but it's very cringeworthy in thoughts and a lot of superfluous cussing that just doesn't need to be there. It's almost justified just because it's a black label. So um, I don't know if I'm going to go with issue two, if I have time next time. So I, I thought you were reading this too. That's the reason I gave it a go. I, I, um, I almost did. Yeah. And... But lack of sleep, I get it. Um, but I, I even think this issue would have been too much for you, knowing your taste and things. Mm. You know, you I know that you don't mind like our hard art action stuff, but sometimes and stuff is being like, oh, look at us. We're, we're using bad language. I'm pretty sure that that turns you off as well. So, um, but yeah, if if whoever makes Connor pay for books, if if you really want to probably upset him, you could probably have him read this. You know, <laughs> definitely not a Connor book. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, he made a mistake though because he admitted that he still hated Tim Drake Robbins, so he's going to keep reading that. Yeah, yeah, of course. But does does he really, or is he just saying that so he knows he has an excuse to read it? Is Connor capable of playing 4D chess that way? I'm not sure. Nah, he has to tell us when he hates something. He can't, True. he can't hold that inside. That's why I don't trust people. That's why I don't open myself up to Patreon, because they'd be having me read all sorts of stuff I don't like. Naturally. Uh, yeah. But speaking of Patreon, patreon.com slash TV, one of the higher tiers. You can make myself a car or read a book. I'm going to do one today, and that is American Vampire issue 32. Last issue ended with Hattie returning um as the leader of the coven of vampires so this issue the a good majority of it is just had to explaining how the hell she's alive now i didn't remember exactly how she left before mm-hmm. uh but it remains as and the reason why she's got the joker scars that got up the side of her, her cheeks you know the, the the chelsea smile if you will is because pearl shoved like a gold star into her mouth <laughs> like way into her mouth and mm-hmm. seemingly killed her uh, way back in the last arc she was in. Uh, but it turns out uh, Block, the uh, producer vampire, ended up resuscitating her and sort of bringing her to, to strength. Uh, and it's just this backstory of how she ended up like leaving him, going out wandering, uh, basically just passing her time, like wondering where Pearl is, going to see movies and stuff like that. And the weirdest part of it is she says that this rise to her being like the kingpin of the vampires kind of was inspired by a dumb B-movie she went to go see where a woman became like a half-giant spider. <laughs> <laughs> and she basically said, yeah, it was this horrific thing, but she saw a lot of like, like the character kind of embraced it and just it was very powerful once she accepted yeah. what she was. Embra- and this- Embraced the monster within. Yeah, and this inspired yeah. her to... Uh, go and like sort of take control and take charge and be the 
be 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 the bitch, be the vampire bitch. <laughs> so she goes and kills a couple of the regular vampire goons in the backstory, and like shows up to block and is like makes a case for herself, and it kind of cuts back to like telling Pearl all this. She's at this junkyard that she was lured into, and then the big shoe, the other shoe drops, which is that Skinner has been working with Hattie this whole time so that they can infiltrate and completely kill everyone in the VM base, which includes, right now, Henry in the hospital bed in the base. But this has all been applied by them to eventually kill all the VMs. Because what one of the mm-hmm. things that it sets up in the backstory is that all the vampires are, like, hiding like rats in the sewers because the VMs are doing such a good job of killing them that they're having to sneak around when it's dark, they're having to, like, really shield themselves from them. So that's what their goal is and why ultimately they agree to let Hattie kind of become the leader is that she's got a plan. And the end of this issue is just this big rush to the cliffhanger, which is Skinner and the army of vampires are like invading the VM's base. They're killing people. Pearl's hearing that this is happening and she's chained up and she can't do anything, but she's screaming and like, if you kill Henry, I'll, you know, I will kill you. I'll do this. I'll do that. Um, and she's crying her eyes out as she's as she's yelling all this stuff. Uh, There's a great two-page layout of the vampires storming the VM base um, with lots of oranges and reds of the explosions in the background and all that stuff. Uh, but Skinner betrays them, stabs them in the back, and it's all building up to this big uh, this big finale. Uh, Block stays back with Pearl because Hattie wants to go and be a part of the invasion. Um, and it's actually Cal who shows up and saves her. And, like, we have to go back right now because they're going after Henry. So they're, they're rushing back. And the final page of the issue is, I think it's Skinner, uh, with his hand on the the window outside of Henry's room looking in. And obviously, if you remember the rest of this arc, he's been kind of conflicted working with Pearl. He had sex with her, which he feels really guilty about. Skinner's probably going to bring that up just to torture him, you'd mm-hmm. imagine, in the next issue. Um. That's very much what I would think. Um, so, yeah, this feels like this this big game plan that Hattie and uh, Skinner have been have been up to. It, no, it was a big it was a big deal. Like I think, you know, I've enjoyed this arc well enough, right? But it's not necessarily up with the peak of the book this far. There's definitely had a few arcs that I've definitely enjoyed more. I think this re- this reveal because we kind of expected Skinner to turn out to be an evil dick because he's Skinner and he always does. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, it's surprising that he went this long pretending to play ball. Uh, also, it's worth mentioning the explosive in him didn't go off, and um, the VM does mention that other vassals' bases could potentially set off as explosive if uh, mm-hmm. if if they get to it. But um, now this reveal that they've worked together it is kind of an adrenaline rush of an ending. It does feel like a nice big cliff fire for the next time. Uh, the Hattie reveal did to an extent last issue as well, but I think this felt like a bigger deal because it actually gave you kind of the threat. Because the whole crux of this last arc, and a lot of the arcs with Pearl and Henry really, have been her worrying about Henry. And now that he's old, it feels like maybe they'll actually kill him. I, I can't remember if they do. They might, they might not. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does give us this race against the clock going into the next issue. Um, you know, the first half is very backstory heavy. It's very much just Hattie explaining everything. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure that all of it need to be explained necessarily. Yeah, how she survived, sure, that that part feels important. Um, that said, I did get a kick out of the, the 50s B-movie monster nonsense that she, 
inspires her rise to like being the new dawn of the of the vampires. So you know, I'll give it that. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. the art is solid as it always is. Uh, Hattie looks especially demented because she's got those scars going up her cheeks from the the star mm-hmm. uh, incident, mm-hmm. shall we call it? Um, also, Block's got a, a trident. Uh, a gold trident that he's going to use to stab Pearl towards the end, right before Cal comes in and uh, basically just decapitates him, and then mm-hmm. and that's the end of him. So, uh, but no, big cliffhanger, a lot of adrenaline, and it it came at a good time in the issue as well because it felt like the first half was a bit slow because it was all just the backstory stuff, but it kind of really lifted things up. So, uh, pro- probably a nice solid eight, I'd say, for this uh, American Vampire. Um, and there's a lot of bonus here just because I read it. Uh, I'll I'll briefly talk about mm-hmm. Alien issue one uh, that Marvel put out <laughs> from mm-hmm. uh, Declan Shalvey and art by Andrea uh, Bricardo. Bricardo. Um, so could you have made that rapper any noisier, Matt? I could have. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So this is set on a like an ice planet or an ice moon. Uh, and it's it follows a family. The mum's who's this researcher. She's also pregnant, but she's this researcher mm-hmm. who's basically studying the ice, looking for actual pockets of water to see if they can use it for terraforming and you know things of that nature. Um, and they work for another company. They don't work for Willajutari, although Willajutari do show up later. But basically, there's aliens in the ice, and like the stepdad who's married to the. Well, I think he's a stepdad anyway, who's married to the woman and her daughter are digging and like investigating the ice and they find a face hugger in the ice and they bring it back. And she calls this in. Uh which ends up we find out that Will and Jutari later on when their ship shows up, as soon as they found out that they found an alien, they bought this company that had her here. They just bought the entire company so they could come in and get the alien specimens. Although the the pretext at the start kind of implies that Will and Jutari have been going out trying to cover up that they were they've been involved in any alien stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you know they've they've covered up all the the stuff from aliens. That's a set about mm-hmm. I don't know ten years after aliens I think for the start of it. So what what's the gap between alien and or aliens and alien three? Oh, I don't actually know if we know. Okay, maybe we. Did. It, it, it's a very long time though, right? Like. Alien. I don't know if Aliens and Alien Three is Alien and Aliens is about fifty-seven years. Okay. Right. They, they specify but, that at the start of Aliens. But this is after Aliens, then. This is after Aliens, yeah. Okay. So they're trying to get their hands on a specimen. Uh, so it's pretty typical Alien tropes for the most part. You know, there's not a mm-hmm. lot of Alien action here. You see them in the ice. You see them melting at the end. Uh, obviously, there's this face hugger threat kind of in the ice that's gradually melting throughout the issue the big threat of this issue was the company coming in and like sort of like throwing their weight around and basically holding them hostage the kid runs away though with a face hugger so that's a danger that we're going to have to deal with i think the things that make this stick out as an alien fan is that it's set in a snowy climate it's set in lv 695 or something silly like that and mm. it's a very different location it's it's not it's not exactly reinventing the wheel, but it's putting it in at least a fresh kind of locale, and that's basically what it's doing. I will say this, though, like, all three of the characters of the family characters all felt kind of distinct uh, quite early on. It felt like I got their personalities. So it's doing that kind of thing where they feel like instantly relatively, you know, memorable, well-rounded, indie-style characters that you get in a comic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a little bit of stress because the wife's the boss like she's the official one in command uh but she keeps making decisions without consulting the husband and that's making him feel like he's been left out and she's like but i'm the boss there's the stuff that's classified that i can't tell you and he's like yeah but i'm also your husband and we should probably be making some of these choices as a team so there's kind of like a weird blur on the lines of what should be like marriage decisions and what should be work decisions uh and that's causing some conflict there but uh it was a solid enough issue the art is uh i'd say what's funny is that the art's good in the humans i would say the aliens feel a little bit too clean and like, I think some of my favorite alien art in comics tends to be when it's a little bit more rough, a little bit more scary and scratchy and uh, whatever. Um, or or even something like, um, oh, what was Dead Orbit? Who was the artist on that again? I can't remember his name. But it was a very specific art style. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you want just a sort of alien romp, though, it was a decent enough time. Um, okay. Obviously, it's building up to the actual alien action. But... Uh, it's given us like a, a a sleazy corporate guy and his like army of goons who are all fodder for killing that will probably enjoy watching die, uh, or reading die, I should say, uh, over the six issues. Oh, sorry, five issues. Five issue many. Uh, I will say it's kind of annoying they don't have a like a subtitle for it because it's like they already yeah. had a book called Alien recently, and it's not like Superman or Batman. I feel like it'd be easier to find these stories and trade later if it was like you know Alien colon I don't know. Right. Cold Planet or something. You know, pick, pick a title, damn it. Just just so there's like an easy designation, but you know what they're like. They have to be awkward. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Do you think it'll get a subtitle when the trade comes out, though? Like, they'll give it whatever the title of the story was? If they're smart, they should. It, they, they, yeah. they absolutely should. Uh, I don't know if it... I'm actually curious though if I had a tale. What's interesting is that the uh, corner of the cover has a 20th Century Studios logo hmm. on it. So they seem to be using that as branding for uh, stuff. So maybe the Predator books have that on these yeah. days as well. Uh, oh. Does it have a... Let's see. Does it have a title page with the credits? Uh, it's, oh, it's called Thaw. So the, okay. the, the train might be called Alien Thaw, which makes sense because right. they start off in ice and they're going to like melt right. and right. Uh, become an issue. So Because um, one, one of the things it does at the start is that it explains that humans, like, you know, if we get frozen or we go in space, we die. But the xenomorphs mm-hmm. are kind of unique in that they can come back. They won't actually die. They're, they're frozen. Yeah, they'll be they'll be fine when they're frozen. But right. once the ice melts, they'll be back to just being xenomorphs but again. They're in a uh, suspend, uh, suspended animation when they're frozen. Effectively, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, solid, solid enough. I'd probably give it a seven out of ten. Uh, it's just a mm-hmm. sort of rompy alien comic. Uh, that does a decent job, but it's I feel like it feels well paced. It doesn't rush the things. It feels yeah. like it's set up enough so that it feels like more like a horror movie, and that's good. But uh, you know, it's not doing anything super special either. It's just kind of you know, it's a solid little alien romp. When I heard yeah. Ice Planet and Alien, I thought, oh, are they gonna do the thing? Kind of vibe. It was hard not to you think know? of that a little bit because I think of that yeah. music, it was story isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, ice. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Uh. I'll bore us in there. Uh, if you like to hear me talk about that, uh, let me know, and I'll, you know, if I read issue two, I'll, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. bring it back on the show. People want to hear about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that'll take us out the part of the show. We pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and do our top five books. So, uh, Matt, uh, what is your panel slash moment of the week? All right, so Ivy had one, and it's when she's in that purgatory, and there's like a younger version of her, just kind of laying on the grass it looks really really good 
However, earlier in the week, I already made the decision that I got my panel of the week, and it really was. It's it's very much me, and I know I'm a self parody, but you know, Captain Marvel riding a T Rex through the jungle. How am I not picking that? So that okay, is okay. that is that is my moment of the week. Yeah, I don't actually know what my moment of the week is. Nothing immediately springing to mind. Um, it's not the appearance of Batman '89. <laughs> oh, it's definitely not that. No, I, I really thought he was gonna yell, "Let's get nuts!" And I was like, "Oh, this is if, if they lean into that, mm. you know, because that was that was written months ago." So, you know, yeah. give me vacation. I it's probably something from Shazam. I think that's that's mm. fair to say. Um. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm just glad that I'll see if Athens like a specific moment that I'd want to want to give out. Um, uh, I guess I'll I'll just go with uh, I'll just go with uh, Talkie Tawny uh, kicking up a storm in the kitchen. There you go. Just because it's a fun moment. I don't really have like a, a one that stuck out to me this week as, as a pick, so I'll go with that. Uh, Alright, uh, cover of the week. Um, There was a cool Alex Ross Batman cover for issue 900, uh, mm-hmm. which is very old school, which obviously is cool. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Um, all on that, though, it's all Shazam covers I want to mention. Uh, <laughs> the main cover by Dan Moore is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a cover by Ariel Colon, which is like uh, him holding a bone and looking up at a T-Rex, which has got a really mm-hmm. cool shaded look to it. And then there's a Doc Shader Shazam cover, uh, which obviously fits the character perfectly, because, you know, yep. as we've seen in other books, he's very good with that family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my actual pick out of those, though, I'll go with the Shader cover, yeah. Oh, no, you no, know, no, no. Do you know what? We very rarely get to pick an Alex Ross cover because he's usually doing Marvel covers. So I'm going to go with Alex Ross for the special okay. occasion. Yeah, I'll do that. So Alex Ross Batman mm-hmm. cover is my pick. Yeah. What you got? Um, so Poison Ivy, always worth worth a talk. There's a Jenny Frisian. It's got a red background. Looks really cool. Um, there's a, a Zermanico one as well. That's But it's a little bit too busy for me. Um, there's a, on Batman, there is a Delato cover that's got Poison Ivy and Bruce. So, of course, that, that one caught my eye. But I'm going to go with the Shader cover for Shazam. And it's the one cover that I could not find at my shop because I got there late this week. Um, so I had to, you know, end up getting the, the regular cover, which is fine. More is fine. It's just not the Doc Shainer cover that I wanted. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Art of the Week? You want me to go first? Yeah, go first. All right. So, big fan of Dan Moore. Like Dan Moore a lot. However, with the the change in the coloring, you know, um, I have to give it to to Kara just for the work through this arc on Poison Ivy. And, you know, uh, it just it looks very nice and it's very comforting in, in spots until the point where it gets real scary. So that's mine. Well, I didn't read Poison Ivy, so my choice is really easy. It is Dan Moore because yep. Dan Moore, uh, or I should say, Shazam's the only book out of the the four new DC mm-hmm. books I read this week. Well, five technically, because mm-hmm. we can't book there, I suppose. But out yeah. of all the regular books, it was the only one that didn't have a second artist where there was a shift. Or, right. well, actually, that was uh, John Kent, but I also don't like Clayton Henry that much. So, right. 
so it's an easy Darren Moore pick for me, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, really stuck out as being great. So, uh, all right, Matt, rank your uh, new DC books. All right, so number one is going to be Shazam. Two is going to be Adventures of Superman. Oh, no. Let me redo this. One is Ivy. Two is Shazam. Oh. Three is Adventures of Superman. Four is The Flash. Five is Batman. Okay, uh, my number one Shazam. Mm-hmm. Number two is Adventures of Superman, John Kent. Number three is The Flash. Number four is Batman. Um... That said, though, if I was including Alien, which I won't, I shouldn't, but mm. if I was going to slot it in, just for reference sake, it would probably go up and above Batman. Uh, just just comfortably. <laughs> so, uh, just in case you would like me to slot that in. Anyway, so that'll, uh, that'll do that. I will then tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So we got another issue one. We got Green Lantern issue one. So look forward to that. Uh, we got Superman Lost issue three. We have Danger Street issue six. We have Stargirl, The Lost Children, issue 6, so final issue mm-hmm. of that. Batman Incorporated, issue 8. Batman White Knight Presents, Generation Joker, issue 1. Wildcats, issue 7. We have another issue 1 with Spirit World, which is the first mm-hmm. of those uh, those new books coming out of Lazarus Planet. Yep. Uh, and then Multiversity, Harley Screws Up the DCU, issue 3. Batman The Adventure Continues, season 3, issue 5. The Sandman Universe, Nightmare Country, The Glass House, issue 2. The Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, issue 8. Looney Tunes, 272. And Gotham Academy Maps of Mystery issue one. Yeah. What the hell is that? Oh, it's a yeah, no. ba- it's a reprints of backup stories. Oh, okay. So not, nothing to be concerned well, about. That that Sandman cover though, super super, like it's got that neon vibe to it. Oh but sure. With like with the shadows that you you get with the Sandman, so. Really, really. I wish I was reading that book so I could talk about that cover next week. Uh, no. But yeah, we got Green Lantern and Spirit World as number ones. Plus, we have a yep. Danger Street, Superman Lost, and Stargirl. So it's, a, it's not, a, yep. again, a huge number <laughs> week, but some no. big stuff to talk about. With Spirit uh, World out, probably not going to get to Wildcats, but we'll see. You've, so, been, you've been teetering on dropping that for I have, a few and issues. I need an excuse. So I'm definitely not going to go out of my way to read it early. But if I get around to it, well, it'll be a surprise. But... If you get around to it. You yeah. It, yeah. If you get around to it. Get around to it. All right. Well, that's pretty much the show. Episode uh, 355. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can, of course, let us know what you thought of the comments in the comments. Ding the bell. All that stuff helps us out a lot. And, of course, you want to help us out you know, as much as you can. You can go over to patreon.com slash TV and support us with some monies over there. Maybe get the show a little bit early. Uh, the higher tiers you can get producer credits or of course uh, make myself a car read a book so uh, if you want to support the show in any form uh, anyway as appreciated we mm-hmm. will be appreciative I would have said that I'm tired I'm, I'm... my yeah. outro is falling apart I'm crashing and burning here so I'm just going to wrap this up thank you very much for joining us uh, I believe Connor should be back on next week's episode if that is something that excites you uh, first of all seek professional help but secondly uh, be excited so thank you very much for joining us we always appreciate it keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force